0: Money and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond. This is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang.
1: I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco and this is Bloomberg Technology coming up in the next hour from Netflix to TikTok to Samsung. The exodus from Russia continues and the pressure to do more piles on. Plus, Coinbase starts blocking sanctioned Russian users. What about the rest of the crypto world? And FTX president joins us this hour to talk about their conversations with regulators and new services being launched in Europe and the Middle East. And Apple holds its first event of the year Tuesday. You can expect updates to the iPhone, iPad and Mac lines. We're gonna bring you a preview later this hour. All of that in a moment, but first turmoil in the global markets. U.S. stocks plunging the most in 17 months. Our Ritika Gupta painting the full picture. Ritika, still big concerns about what's happening with
2: oil.
3: Yes, indeed, Emily. It is another down day for US equities. We've got the SP 500 ending the session down nearly 3%. It's back into correction territory. And the NASDAQ 100 underperforming down some 3.75%. But as you mentioned, the real story was in the oil market, where we saw WTI at one point as high as $130 a barrel, then back to $119. So a lot of volatility in today's session. Off the back of those headlines on whether indeed Russian energy supplies would be sanctioned. And that actually brings me to the bond market because, yes yields on that 10-year inching higher today, but in the grand scheme of things, 1.77% on that 10-year in the face of what is surging energy prices and that U.S. CPI print that we're going to get this week, which economists expecting an 8% handle on that. And speaking of inflation, what has really not been a hedge today is, well, Bitcoin, because That has gone below the $38,000 threshold. So we're raising the gains that we saw last week when it was just starting to look a little bit more favorable again because really year-to-date Bitcoin has just been trading uh, sideways and it brings back that debate, is Bitcoin a risk-off or risk-on asset? And today you do see some of those uh, crypto related movers the likes of marathon digital getting hit in today's session and I'd also want to just focus on your other movers of the day some of those big cap tech names apple and amazon moved down low in this session along with the broader market in times like these we have often seen them being those safe haven plays but we haven't seen that of late have we emily right the question what is a safe haven now rittica thank you
1: Russia has now vaulted past Iran and North Korea to become the world's most sanctioned nascent in the span of just 10 days following President Putin's invasion of Ukraine. In a surge of action led by the U.S. and European allies, Russia now the target of more than 2,700 new sanctions for a total of more than 5,500 sanctions. Our Josh Wingrove joining us now with more, who, of course, covers the White House for us. So look, uh, Ritika outlining there the market fallout continuing. What's the signal from the White House, Josh, about how far this will go? Uh,
0: That it's just going to keep going, Emily. And just, you know, we don't know the specifics, but just the pace is remarkable, both overall, you know, three decades to build this sort of Russian economy, just a couple of weeks to, to, to really substantially remake it at best, uh, bring it to its knees at worst. And some of the measures that they were talking about early in the West, uh, you know, were sort of ruled out uh, about a week ago or so. And then it only takes a few days, it seems, for things to go from unlikely to plausible, even probable, or already announced. And so we're seeing that sort of continued pace. President Biden had a call with his counterparts in France, Germany, and the U.K. earlier today. Their joint statement afterwards pledged uh, sort of continuing efforts, so, this, so, you know, read into that what you will. Of course, there are calls for the U.S. in particular to restrict imports of Russian crude, uh, crude oil directly to the U.S. It's a little unclear how many or which other countries would follow that if they did go down that path, and, frankly, how, how much they would go down that path to begin with. Europe, of course, trying to wean itself off Russian gas, natural gas, for heating particular to try to uh, get some leverage there. But they're, 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 I guess, scraping the back of the cupboards, if you will, looking for anything and everything short of putting boots on the ground, of course, in Ukraine.
1: Right. And these ongoing calls in Congress to bar Russian oil, what is the administration's latest thinking here?
0: Yeah, they're sort of in wait-and-see mo- mode. This is a big one. and definitely fits in the category of things that were sort of unthinkable not that long ago and now are, are have some real traction. There is bipartisan movement in Congress to move here. Of course, Joe Biden is worried about the price of gas here. It's soaring in the U.S., and that is political liability for him. They don't want to further strain markets, in particular, if they brought in a ban with sort of immediate effect that might disrupt shipments. Uh, that are sort of already in, in train or about to be. So I think that, right now, Congress is working towards a bill, the response from the White House today, Spokesman, spokeswoman Jen Psaki saying, there's not a bill yet, it hasn't passed, you know, uh, the president hasn't made a decision on this file yet, so really pumping the brakes on that one from the White House. They're considering it, but not signaling yet, or taking the step of doing it, of course, about whether they're going to ban Russian impor- uh, Russian oil imports.
1: All right, fast-moving situation, Josh, thank yeah. you for your reporting there. Now, as the conflict in Ukraine, Ukraine continues to escalate, so does the risk of cyber attacks against Ukraine and its allies. Just weeks ago, we are now learning that hackers gained access to computers belonging to current empo- and former employees at nearly two dozen major natural gas suppliers and exporters, including Chevron and Kinder Morgan. EQT Corp., the largest producer of natural gas in the United States, also saying it's been targeted by a rising number of cyber attacks since the start of the Russian invasion. Of Ukraine. Here's CEO Toby Rice.
4: We have seen the hits on our system uh, increase significantly since this uh, conflict began in, in, in Europe. The, the biggest threat to, to Russia is American natural gas. So when you think about what they're going to do to, to stop, to, to pr- preserve their power, it's shut down
5: American oil and gas.
1: I want to bring in Matthew Only now for more on this. He's the director of threat intelligence at Cisco Talos Intelligence Group. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I understand you're seeing a new wave of crowdsourced cyber attacks on both sides of this conflict. How would you describe the state of play? What are you seeing?
6: It's a, it's a pretty crazy situation right now in terms of traditionally we look at these kind of uh, conflicts and we have one side and another side, maybe in this case, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, now we have um, the Conti ransomware group coming out on the side of Russia. Uh, we have the Ukrainian cyber police soliciting volunteers online to attack websites in Russia. Um, we, we have lots of different players who feel that now is the time for them to kind of put their stake in the ground and go after uh, what they believe in, and that, that kind of raises the stakes on the international stage of, of a possible misunderstanding between nations.
1: And what could that lead to, a possible misunderstanding between nations?
6: Yeah, look. I mean, look. Attribution is always difficult. Like knowing what's happening when when you're looking at attacks on the ground, and nations have to respond to that. So if if someone hits something in Russia, for example, uh, and Russia misinterprets that as an attack from the United States or an attack solicited by the United States, then their response will come the way the United States. Um, It's it just adds chaos to an already dangerous situation.
1: Well, CISA is also urging U.S. companies to lock down their systems in case the Russian government or private hackers take action. It, it could, in fact, already be happening. You've got companies like CrowdStrike and Ping and Cloudflare offering their help, offering their services for free. What would you say is the threat level right now against U.S. businesses, U.S. entities?
6: Yeah, the, the, it, it's all down to how Putin decides to engage the West. Um, How do they respond to these unprecedented sanctions that have been put in place? Uh, Ultimately, we think that there's largely, uh, they're very capable in the energy sector. We've seen them for a decade or more um, in the energy sector, gaining a foothold, uh, gaining understanding of those systems. Um, And so there's a threat there, but we also think that there's a possibility that there could be a tit-for-tat sort of thing where they're going after the financial sector as well, which is a harder nut to crack um, in the West.
1: I want to take a look at Ukraine specifically, and you talked about all of these different entities coming to the defense of Ukraine. We're talking about from the EU to Lithuania to Romania to all of these different companies. How effective do you think this has been and is this a path towards sort of uh, further deterrence, cyber deterrence in the future when you see the rest of the world piling on?
6: I have a hard time thinking about cyber deterrence when you see the level of kinetic warfare going on. Like cyber uh, is a piece of this story, but there, this human side is is also much, much more, more distressing. What I would say in Ukraine, um, it looks like Russia has underestimated on all battle spaces Ukraine, both in terms of how their military will respond and how the West will respond, but also in terms of how solid their cyber defenses are ukraine spent the last two years well in terms of putting that putting together defenses and and you know cisco's proud to have a role in that in 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 kind of providing actually on the ground support right now for critical infrastructure ensuring that those systems stay up when the ukrainian people need them the most
1: there's also movement in u.s congress to take greater action on cyber attacks, you've got massive cyber legislation, which would require companies in critical sectors to alert the government of potential hacks or ransomware. You've got the ball now in the House's court. What's your take on this legislation? Is this something that you would like to see advance?
6: Anytime I see the government, like you have to notify us of something, my question is then what are you gonna do with that information? Um, I like that it's centered in and around CISA because CISA has positioned itself as the sort of go-to agency in the United States to provide information both to the private sector and to government uh, networks at risk and gives a really good understanding of what our actors are using um, in, in terms of their attacks. So I think centering the information there signals that's how they want the information used. And I think that's a good place to put that information.
1: Now, look, the war on Ukraine is escalating, it seems, by the hour. What does that escalation look like in cyberspace? How bad? Could this get on both sides?
6: You know, I, again, you know, the cyberspace element has large has been much quieter than we anticipated, and I think that's because um, the, uh, that that Russia has kind of underestimated what they need to do in that space. And I think right now they're going to so overcompensate in the kinetic kinetic space that that the cyberspace side inside of Ukraine just isn't of interest to them, and I think they're using mm-hmm. their best resources right now, engaging in espionage on the West to understand what the red lines are and what the exit strategies are for everybody.
1: Matthew Only of Cisco, Matt, thank you so much for bringing us that perspective. Meantime, the Russian government blocked Facebook as part of its efforts to silence dissent and limit information about its invasion of Ukraine. A post from Russia's communications regulator, Raz Kamenadzer, said Facebook would be blocked because of, quote, discrimination against Russian media and information sources. Facebook previously banned Russian state-backed media accounts from operating in the European Union in an effort to cut down on Russian propaganda and misinformation. Coming up, American Express joins the likes of Visa and MasterCard in suspending its operations in Russia and Belarus, crippling the ability for everyday transactions as more companies from Netflix to TikTok take stands around the world. That is next. This is Bloomberg. A continued exodus of businesses out of Russia. How does MasterCard, American Express, and Visa suspending operations there impact everyday Russians? Bloomberg's Victoria Cavallari explains.
7: Visa, MasterCard, and American Express have become the latest international companies to suspend operations in Russia to punish the country over its invasion of Ukraine. What this means from a practical standpoint is that if you have a Visa or MasterCard issued by a Russian institution and you attempt to use it outside of the country, let's say here in New York, to buy a cup of coffee, that transaction will not go through. Similarly, if you have a Visa or MasterCard issued outside of Russia and you attempt to use it with a Russian vendor, that transaction will also no longer work, it will be denied. So for example, if you live in Russia and you have a bank with a foreign institution, um, say Chase in the US, um, and you have a card issued through Chase, you won't be able to make any purchases in Russia. Here's what this means for Russian citizens. If you live in Russia and you bank with a Russian bank and you attempt to use your Visa or MasterCard in the country, they will continue to work. The Russian Central Bank said that they can process those payments in the country. Caveat to that is that once those cards expire, they will no longer work. However, if you're a Russian citizen and you're any place else in the world and you pull out your MasterCard and you bank with a Russian bank, you're out of luck. Further, even if you bank with a Russian bank and you try to uh, make a foreign purchase, something online, it also will not work. This is another attempt to financially isolate the Russian government and to put pressure on Russian president. Vladimir Putin to get him to reverse course in Ukraine. Western governments have rolled out a series of sanctions and private companies like Visa and MasterCard have undertaken their own financial punishments by pausing operations in Russia, suspending business, closing up shop. The Ukrainian president had requested that Visa and MasterCard uh, undertake these measures in the hopes that it will pressure Russia to stop the war.
1: Meantime, other companies continue to shut down operations in Russia. Netflix says no new customers will be able to sign up. TikTok is suspending live streaming in the country after Putin's so-called fake news law. And Samsung is stopping all product shipments to Russia, including smartphones and chips. Bloomberg's executive editor Tom Giles with us now, along with Techonomy founder David Kirkpatrick. Uh, David, Tom, thank you. Obviously. Very complicated to figure out just how this is impacting everyday Russians versus the Russian government versus Putin himself. David, what do you make of this exodus? What strikes you most about these companies taking a stand, whether they have large businesses in Russia or not?
8: Well, clearly digital information is an intrinsic part of the modern economy and how people are able to stay informed. And sadly, the Russian government does not want its people to be informed. So I think most of the consumer digital information companies like TikTok, Facebook, Google are trying their best to continue operating on the grounds that they help people stay informed at a time when otherwise they would have difficulty doing so. But many of them are finding that it's simply untenable. So uh, Netflix and TikTok shut down in Russia because new laws that Russia has just introduced as part of their suppression of information make it possible that they or their employees might be prosecuted. So these companies are in a very difficult position.
1: Now, Ukraine's vice prime minister, Mikhailo Fedorov, Tom, has been pretty aggressive about calling out these big tech giants. Specifically, most recently, he's called on Amazon and Jeff Bezos to make some moves there. He also called on Apple and Google to shut down the Play and the App Store? Do we have any indication that Amazon, for example, is, is going to cut off some of its services to Russia?
5: So overall, uh, we, we haven't heard specifically from Amazon recently. Overall, you have to keep in mind, you know, you asked earlier about cutting off Russia and possibly taking a hit to business. A lot of these companies, by and large, now there are some exceptions, but by and large, the technology US technology industry is not heavily exposed to Russia. If you were to erase Russian business altogether, which some of the companies are doing, you're talking about a small sliver of overall revenue. So in terms of this being a sacrificial move on the part of big US companies, let's keep it in perspective. Now, the other thing is, They're being compelled to do this in many cases because of U.S. sanctions. You don't wanna run afoul of the U.S. rules and every day there's another set, there seems to be another set of sanctions levied against Russia. Secondarily, there's the practical implications How can you do business even if you want to do business in a country where you can't make payments, you can't accept payments, where Visa and MasterCard aren't accepted, where banking uh, facilities are being shut down right and left? So there's the practical element. And then lastly, I think there is the moral element. It does behoove these companies to take some sort of a moral stance, even though it's not necessarily going to be a big sacrifice from them on the sales side of things.
1: We are also seeing non-U.S. companies take stands here, David, like Samsung, stopping sending products and chips to Russia. Apple, I understand their, their business in Russia is fairly small, but does Samsung have a, a larger business in Russia, and is that of more consequence to them?
8: I think it will be. I think what they said is they're not gonna ship new product to Russia, which means probably that Samsung phones and other equipment that's already in Russia will be um, uh, still available. But um, this will have major consequences, no question. Um, And I think the set of sanctions and actions in net really will hurt the people. There's no way it can avoid hurting the people. But um, I think that's just unavoidable as a consequence of the sanctions and the situation.
1: Right, and there's a question, Tom, is it a good thing or is it the right thing to do to be hurting the Russian people, many of whom don't necessarily support this
5: war? Absolutely. And that gets back to the point David made earlier is the information service, the the flow of information is not something that you want to necessarily stop. If you're Twitter, if you're Facebook, if you're the list goes on, TikTok, you know, their, their services are getting throttled. And to some degree, these companies are cutting back on their own services, YouTube ad sales, for example. But do you want to deprive the Russian people of the inf- the flow of information? Say, for example, here's how you you know here's a group of people in in solidarity over opposition to the Russian government. Here's the fl- here's actually what's going on. Here's the news and information that's actually calling uh, calling out the Russian government for uh, for the invasion of Ukraine. Um, you know. As we've noted, this this law that was passed last week puts really tight limits on how you can even talk about it, the words you can right. use. Don't call it an invasion, for example.
1: Google search, meantime, David, as I understand, it still works. Also, YouTube and WhatsApp are hugely popular in Russia. It, you know, are, are these services that you believe should stay turned on? I mean, there are... There are pros and cons to both arguments here.
8: I think in the case of those three, it would be beneficial if they could continue operating. I think somebody might say, Google in particular, uh, if it were turned off, it would harm the government's ability to function and the economy because we know everybody uses search. But for now, I think making those services still available to ordinary citizens is important. YouTube has a huge role as an information conveyor in Russia. And I think WhatsApp, which is encrypted, is probably a critical tool to continue making available to the Russian people, if possible.
1: Right. Certainly, likely not the last of this long list of companies taking action on Russia. Uh, Techonomy founder David Kirkpatrick, our very own Tom Giles, thank you both. Coming up, more and more companies, as I mentioned, cutting ties. We're gonna also speak with the CEO of Kohl's, Michelle Goss, about how she expects global economic uncertainty to impact consumer behavior later this hour. This is Bloomberg. A few other stories we continue to watch. DoorDash considered a takeover bid for London-based Deliveroo, but the two sides failed to reach an agreement. This according to the Sunday Times. The U.S. Food Delivery Service reportedly met with Deliveroo over the summer while exploring plans to expand in Europe. Instead, DoorDash bought the Finnish food delivery startup, Volt, for about $8 billion. And Mandiant soaring as much as 20% after the information reported Google is in talks to acquire the cybersecurity company, marking what would be Google's second largest transaction ever. Bloomberg reported last month that Microsoft was in discussions to buy Mandiant, which has a market value now of about $5 billion. Coming up, beyond Ukraine, Meta and other Silicon Valley giants have another challenge on the horizon, staying attractive to tech workers here in the United States as share prices fall. All the details on that, next. This is Bloomberg. Back to bloomberg technology i'm emily chang for years employees of silicon valley's largest companies could count on one constant and that is a rising share price but now with shares of the biggest tech companies dropping at least 11 percent in recent months in some cases more employees are now unsure about their fortunes and it's increasing the odds of a rush to the exits i want to bring in bloomberg's kurt wagner who covers meta twitter and other companies for us kurt how exactly are these share prices impla- impacting employee retention? I mean, obviously, it was going up for so long, and this is kind of a massive jolt.
9: It is, right? I mean, if this has been your norm for years that you would get stock uh, every year with part of your salary, and if you use a few years later, it would be you know worth 50% more than it was when you got it, um, suddenly, when you are going the opposite direction, that catches some people by surprise. I think... If the entire tech industry is kind of moving downward together, it probably helps retention somewhat because you don't necessarily, you know, you're not going to you're going to another uh, company where the stock is is diving. But in general, obviously, companies want this um, this number to be going up because employees want to stay and work at a place where their paychecks are getting bigger every other quarter. So um, I think it's it's just the reality of the fact that the tech industry right now is hurting and we haven't really seen that happen for a really long time.
1: So are you hearing from employees who think it's just not necessarily worth it anymore to keep working at you know, a Facebook or um, an Amazon because the stock just isn't worth what it used to be? Or do they still believe in the mission and want to push forward?
9: I think that there's just so many opportunities out there that unless you are one of these big companies and offering a really uh, attractive financial package to people, There's other things they can go do to make, um, you know, a a livable, great tech wage, right? And so I think whereas before this idea that hey I'm getting in uh, in Amazon today because I know four years from now when all my stuff vests it's it's really going to be worth twice as much, right? That was a mindset that I think a lot of people had, and one of the not the only, but certainly one of the driving factors for why these companies are so popular with recruiting. Now, if you don't necessarily have that belief, right? If you think, hey, a lot of what I'm gonna get today might be worth the same or, or maybe even less in the future, well, there's just not as much incentive. And, and so maybe people go build a startup on their own, right? Or maybe they take a chance on something that's a little bit less established because they don't necessarily feel like they're, they're definitely gonna get the return that they were used to expecting.
1: And these companies have been dealing with a whole host of issues over the last several years, privacy, antitrust, increasing, you know, in the case of Meta, for example, really um, deep-seated brand issues. But in the last two weeks, I wonder how much of that has changed with the war in Ukraine and the uncertainty. How does that play into choices? I mean, certainly we've been seeing people resign and reshuffle across the board, but I wonder, do we see a pause now?
9: Well, I think this is one of the challenges as these companies get really big, is how do you continue to attract people that really believe in your mission, right? And, and what is your mission? Now, at, at 10 years ago, Emily, you probably remember, working at Facebook was like, hey, we're changing the world, right? We're, we're connecting people in a way that didn't exist today. Um, And now you work at Facebook and it's just PR uh, headache after PR headache, right? And so I think finding people who maybe believe in those missions of the Amazons, Googles, Facebooks, these really big companies with tens of thousands of employees, I just think it's a harder sell. And so as a result, you know, when something like Ukraine is going on, just something that's a real world issue, um, I think it puts a lot of that other stuff into perspective from people who might not have been as bought into that mission to begin with.
1: All right, Kurt Wagner for this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure this story will continue to evolve, Kurt. Thank you. Thanks. Meantime, the massive list of companies halting business with Russia keeps growing as they take a stand against the war in Ukraine. This as U.S. stocks plunge, inflation rises and rising gas prices with a possible ban on Russian oil. Loom. Joining us now, Cole's CEO, Michelle Goss. Michelle, great to have you with us. I know it's your investor day, and you have to be thinking about the macroeconomic picture here. What are you bracing for in terms of how this global tumult could impact consumer behavior?
10: Yeah, Emily, well, it's a it's a great question, it's a great point. I mean, we are navigating unprecedented times just like we have the last couple of years, and there's a lot of uncertainty and concern um, out there for sure. I'd say from a coal standpoint, you know, we're staying very close to the customer. Um, we've demonstrated we can be agile and resilient during this time, the global pandemic, supply chain issues and the like over the last couple of years. And today is our investor day and we got to share some really exciting news. I mean, as we look ahead, we have great confidence in our business, lots of growth drivers. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But we're also present to the fact that there is pressure Um, We have reflected that in our guidance to investors. Um, We've taken note in our margin um, headwinds as it relates to things like freight and cost. At the same time, from a customer standpoint, we wanna be really sensitive to the pricing pressures. I think one of the real advantages we have here at Kohl's is our brand portfolio. And we have aspirational, iconic national brands like Nike and Levi's, and we've got great entry price point brands that are private label. So uh, we can meet the customer wherever they are. And like I said, we'll be agile and responsive. It's probably also worth mentioning one of the things we announced today is the next evolution of our loyalty program. So if you have a Kohl's charge, you get 7.5% back in Kohl's cash, which our customers really value.
1: What do you think could be the biggest macro challenge for your customers? Is it inflation? Is it geopolitical turmoil? Is it supply chain challenges. And by the way, do you have factories in Russia?
10: So, um, you know, we're a domestic company, clearly from a supply chain standpoint, that is the area that we pay attention to, as well as the inflationary pressures. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to speculate in the midst of this, um, all the, the uncertainties with the consumer, and that's why it's so important for a business like ours that serves 65 million customers, that we do put the customer first and that we understand them. But I think it goes back to, you know, what is on their mind, how they're purchasing um, and Kohl's serves America. I mean, uh, 80% of America lives within 15 miles of a Kohl's. We serve lots of things that's really important to their everyday lives. You know, as we shared with our investors today, this pivot into the active and casual lifestyle, how they're living today moving into beauty. Um, so these are all right. needs that we expect that they're going to continue to have. But like I said, we'll stay flexible and agile as we understand and navigate um, the current situation.
1: Coles has gotten a couple of unsolicited takeover offers over the last couple of weeks and also just released a filing an hour ago that says um, your advisor, Goldman Sachs, is in talks with 20 potential buyers, can you give us the latest on this and talk about how your plan addresses some of these investor concerns and, and some of this investor interest?
10: Yeah, you bet, Emily. So first, let me clarify um, the plan we put together and what we shared today with a lot more detail is something we, the board, the management team, really believes in and have great conviction that this is going to create Um, tremendous value to our shareholders. And we have retained Goldman Sachs. We have a finance committee um, that's part of the board. I mean, our board is is being extremely thoughtful and doing their fiduciary duty as we evaluate um, all opportunities in front of us. Yes, um, we have had engagement with roughly 20 parties. Um, We've had some unsolicited bids. We've also done some outreach to make sure that we are doing our job as a board to evaluate these options against a very strong plan. And ultimately, all of this will be considered as we decide our path forward. But I'll end with, you know, as we look ahead, we've guided growth for the business. We have game-changing ideas that we're pursuing, like Sephora, expanding active, even building 100 new stores. So we feel really well-positioned, but like I said, Um, we will evaluate all options in front of us.
1: You've said Sephora can become a $2 billion business. When do you see hitting that goal? And what proportion of sales do you see coming from digital versus on foot, in-store traffic?
10: Now, Emily, we haven't put a very specific date out there on the two billion, but let's say it's in the medium horizon. I mean, we're in the midst of building out 850 shops. They're going to be a very big contributor, and to your point, digital will be a reasonable contributor to that. I mean, that's one of the advantages we have with such a strong omni-channel platform. And Candidly, it was one of the reasons I think Sephora wanted to partner with Kohl's because we have such a strong footprint. It's convenient. It's off-mall. We have a growing digital business. We're taking advantage of that omni-channel power um, with things like buy online, pick up in store. And we do that today with our stores that are open. Um, But we're going to test an idea where we're going to do BOPUS leveraging Sephora.com, their site, and driving customers into a coal shop. And there's not that many examples. I can't think of one um, of companies that are doing that kind of cross-company BOPUS. So, um, you know, I'm excited um, to continue to build out this business with them. It's a very big idea. And like I said, um, in terms of the growth, 1,200 stores, and, and we're growing our digital business to, you know, looking to grow an $8 billion business from $6 billion today
1: right and I know you're launching some more self-checkout, buy online, pick up in store options which have been popular. Michelle Goss, Cole CEO, good to have you back with us. Thanks Michelle for stopping by Coming up, crypto exchange, FTX expanding to Europe and the Middle East. We're going to talk with FTX U.S President Brett Harrison about this new move as calls from regulators to block Russian crypto clients rise. This is Bloomberg. We have seen some wild divergences in crypto since the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And now the Bloomberg terminal is expanding the number of cryptocurrencies that users can track. Check it out at CryptGo, C-R-Y-P on your terminal. And it is time now for our crypto report with our crypto contributor, Shanali Bosick. What is the terminal showing us, Shanali? that's new
2: here? There's a few things here, and there's Bitcoin prices to start with. We have to talk about Bitcoin because of the last week, it did decline most of the last week, Emily, with an extra nearly 3% drop, more than 2% drop over the last 24 hours or so. But when you look at Bitcoin over the last week, we do have to look at the other coins as well, the other cryptocurrencies as well, and see how they fared in relation to them. We know Bitcoin is falling alongside other risk assets like stocks, but if you look at Ethereum here, it did have a steeper decline than Bitcoin had. It's not that all of them are doing so poorly, though, in the last week. If you take a look at Tether, it's remained not only fairly stable, it's actually getting a little bit of a lift over the last day and the last seven days here. So we are seeing a difference here between the stable coins and the more traditional cryptocurrencies as we take a look about the meaning of cryptocurrencies in this new era we're headed into.
1: All right, Shanali, thank you. Stay with us, I wanna bring in our next guest, FTX US President, Brett Harrison, to talk about their expansion to Europe and the Middle East and so much more. Brett, obviously so much going on in the crypto market right now, this question of whether crypto is decoupled from more traditional assets or not. Meantime, you've got this big launch in Europe, in the Middle East, why now? And, And when will we actually see these new services begin?
11: Sure, so FTX operates globally. Uh, between FTX and FTX US, we operate in over 180 jurisdictions. But in many of those jurisdictions, it hasn't been completely clear exactly what regulation, what licensing is required in order to be able to operate and expand the services that we can offer to citizens and in these different jurisdictions. And so what we've been doing is working in every country possible to get licensed in any way that we can so that we are fully set to offer all the services that we can in a licensed way and this is very much to counteract this narrative that crypto companies are operating outside of the regulatory regimes and envelopes that they want to you know avoid being able to have the same kind of rules applied to them as traditional financial markets it's the opposite for us we want to be a part of the regulatory discussion and work cooperatively with the different agencies in these different countries to be able to be regulated And so we're very excited about FTXU. Uh, we have the CISEC, um approval to be able to offer that FTX.com slash EU domain uh, to in, in the different places where we can passport that particular license. And we'll be able okay. to launch uh, w- within a couple of days all those services.
1: Well, speaking of changing regulation, there has been increasing pressure on crypto exchanges to block Russian clients in accordance with sanctions. You've got Coinbase saying that they are now doing this. What is FTX's position on this? Are you blocking sanctioned Russian entities or users?
11: We have been blocking sanctioned Russian entities from the start, from before even the the war with Ukraine had started. FTX as an exchange is required, for example, by FinCEN to be able to uphold AML and sanctions. According to the various sanction lists that we check, that includes the OFAC sanctions list, FBI Most Wanted, Interpol Consolidated Sanctions lists, and we do an extraordinary job of making sure that those sanctioned entities and individuals cannot transact cryptocurrency through the exchange. It's a different matter entirely to consider whether we would, on our own, make the private decision as a company to block every single Russian user, regardless of their. Um, appearing on those those lists or not. And so we're in constant dialogue with Treasury, with members of the Treasury, who are telling us what they want us to do in terms of helping to uphold the global public policy decisions that they are working on with the executive branch.
2: Uh, You know, speaking of keeping an eye on what users are doing and what was happening over at Coinbase. I mean, the idea that 25,000 addresses had to be blocked as a result of their own kind of internal look under the hood here. Bring us under the hood over there a little more at FTX, because what is the scale of which users around the world could be engaged in illicit activity, and where is it mostly coming from?
11: Right. I I read that report from Coinbase, and If you dig in, most of those addresses were found from prior to when the conflict started. And so I think what Coinbase was trying to do is show that, look, there's been discussion back and forth about whether cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase and FTX are actually doing their job of holding sanctions. The answer is we are. And in fact, every single day we have to block sanctioned activity, whether that's from Russia or from any other particular nation or individual appearing on these sanction lists and that didn't start just now with with uh with the the conflict in the ukraine
2: i'm wondering also when you take a look at kind of the broader way that people are thinking about cryptocurrency in this era you know as you expand into europe as you look at the ruble conversion not just to bitcoin but to stable coins which is apparently happening at an even greater scale how do you see this conversion over from traditional currencies moving into digital assets
11: So what we're seeing, for example, in the Ukraine, is people converting cryptocurrencies into, fiat currency into cryptocurrency. It's a natural thing to do in a wartime economy where there might be uncertainty about the currency. In other nations, maybe not during wartime, but they also might have hyperinflating currencies. And they're looking for some flight to a more safer asset that they're able to transport cross-border easily, as long as they're not sanctioned. And so we see that as a very real thing that's happening right now, especially if you look at all of the activity, cryptocurrency activity entering Ukraine to help aid the effort there, whether it's directly to Ukraine addresses or to NGOs on the ground, helping with humanitarian efforts. So I think this is showing a lot of the power of cryptocurrency as this instant settlement cross-border payment that can be a flight from currencies that might not be stable.
1: Right, but is it really? I mean, if you look at the drop, in bitcoin today it's certainly gone down with the rest of the market and i know we're going day by day here but longer term you know what is the recommendation to new potentially aspiring crypto investors as to how to think about this asset and and whether you're facing more or less risk here than in something more traditional
11: of course if you look at bitcoin prices themselves there is definitely volatility um, but if you look at Bitcoin prices, maybe, for example, versus the Turkish lira, that graph still tends to go up and to the right. If you look, if you, if you have a country where the currency is hyperinflating. If people don't want to invest in the asset itself that might have this volatility risk to it, what they can do is they can convert to a stable coin like USDC, which is completely one-to-one reserve back with the dollar, in which case they can store their assets in a digital form that is completely stable and pegged to the dollar, and therefore be able to escape the risk from their own currency hyperinflating. And so that's a way in which people can still interact with the digital currency system, but not necessarily leg into the risks associated with volatile currencies that they may be less certain about.
1: Okay, Brett Harrison, FTX US president and our own Chanali Basik, thank you both. Coming up, Apple setting the stage, a new version of the iPhone and iPad may be unveiled at tomorrow's event. This comes right as the tech giant makes a big step Cutting off business in Russia, we'll discuss next. This is Bloomberg. Holding its first event of 2022 tomorrow, with the tech giant set to debut new versions of the iPhone and updates to the iPad. Joining us now, what to expect? Our very own Mark Gurman, who covers Apple. Mark, what are you watching?
12: Thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is exciting. This will be the first Apple product launch event of 2022. I'm expecting the Mac Studio. Uh, this would be sort of a hybrid, smaller Mac Pro, larger Mac Mini. Uh, really aimed at the professional market, you'll see Apple's most advanced non-Intel chip and a Mac to date uh, in this computer. Launching alongside that will be a new low-cost monitor, right? This will be their first new external monitor in about three years. This is likely to be less than half the price of the current monitor, which costs between five and $6,000, uh, depending on the texture you get on the front glass, uh, depending on the uh, the, the, the stand, if you get the stand or not with the product, uh, there also is going to be a new iPad Air, uh, as well as a new iPhone SE, both with 5G and potentially a few other things on the docket. So should be a fairly exciting day uh, if you're a fan of the iPhone SE, if you're a fan of the iPad, and you're a fan of the Mac.
1: We've already seen Apple take a stand on uh, Russia and its position there. I know that Tim Cook often makes a nod to world events at the beginning of these presentations. Are we expecting to hear some commentary from him uh, on the war on Ukraine tomorrow, or for Apple to take potentially an even stronger stand? You've got uh, Ukrainian officials calling on Apple to cut off the App Store to Russia.
12: So we know what they did last week by stopping exports into the country, stopping sales. They removed Sputnik News and uh, RT News from the app stores outside of Russia. Actually, today, Emily, they took another step. They stopped search ads, which is the ability for developers to place advertisements for their apps In the search results of the App Store. They did this in Russia. Uh, As of now, it appears that most of Apple services, whether that is the App Store itself, iMessage, Apple TV+, Apple Books, etc., etc., are still available in Russia. Of course, there have been calls for those to be disabled. We will see if Apple will do that. Uh, in terms of if Tim Cook will make a statement about the Ukraine situation. Traditionally, they have done this, right? They have right. had to re-record the beginning of events because of world you know, matters going on. So I would not be surprised if they do this. They actually did this for their shareholder meeting last Friday okay. as well.
1: Mark Gurman will be watching. You will be as well. Thank you so much for giving us that roundup. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Tomorrow... International Women's Day, we've got Julie Osk of Forrester Research. She'll talk about the Apple event as always. Dina Shakir, prominent venture capitalist, and Liz Young of SoFi talking about global markets.
7: Audio jungle. Audio, Audio jungle.
13: jungle. Audio. 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 There's some transfers, but Shakira Austin, she is the one to watch, projected as the number three pick in the WNBA draft. You talk about experience. Saxton open. Swatted away. Miss Austin is there cleaning it up. Get out of here. Mimi Reed sees oh I'm a lane. And with a four-point. Oh Brie Beal patience. And Brie Beale has got to look for her. Victoria Saxton, her long arms, getting in the passing lane and taking it in for the layup. I wanted her to dunk it. <laughs> <laughs> <The end. laughs> Boston looking for room. Aaliyah Boston up off the glass for her first points. Aaliyah Boston is trapped. Carolina's got Camila Cardoso working inside now. Number 10 in white. Right. Henderson with the shot fake and the go around. Cardoso put back look South Carolina's got depth if one thing's not working they can rotate in people off the bench in there that would make the defense have to collect right there that's a great look for South Carolina LA doesn't hit but Bree Beal does Angel Baker lays it in no problem Camilla Cardoso was just whistled for her first foul. Miss gets the basketball back. Angel Baker pivoting around, putting the shot down. Sixth woman of the year in the NCAA tournament when she played for Katrina Merriweather. Leticia meet here, the one-two step. And to be able to just kind of step away, coached a little differently. You, you go away, and you have an appreciation, too, of what you have in South Carolina. Destiny Henderson amongst the trees. Clemson, and then really ran the show for the Gamecocks in the Bahamas, and especially when they, they beat Connecticut. Yeah, there's three games. Destiny Henderson was out. Latisha, me here was... They were bringing Angel Baker off the bench. She was playing so well, but they wanted to give her enough games coming off the bench to get that SEC Sixth Woman of the Year award. And she did. Taking full advantage when her time, when her number is called. Yeah, last three games she's shooting 50% from the field. Angel Baker elevates. Short corner. They go inside to Letitia Me here, the high low game. Aliyah Boston underneath. That's eight points for Boston. Here, right now she's playing the three for South Carolina. Zaya Koch will bring it to the other side. Or she can take it to the basket. That's what makes Leticia Me here so dangerous, especially. a tough pass inside with South Carolina's defense. Transition buckets. Zaya Cook will take two and maybe one more. I love the decision of Destiny Henderson as she is coming in transition. She gave a little peek To Zaya Cook running the lane and right on time dropping dimes able to get out play fast Ole Miss has not executed in the half court a scoring drought over two minutes The dump off to shakira austin first made bucket in final appearance How about that move austin versus boston boston made that Moved because Leticia Meher has shown that she is a scoring threat. Zaya Cook. Woo! Angel Baker. Look, she... But I think that Yo's trying to give her starters an opportunity to get going. It's hard to do against that size. Victoria Sexton with range. See, that's an area where South Carolina is off it. Maybe retries it. And runs into Aaliyah Boston. Madison Scott now gets her shot blocked by Saxton. Eleven blocks per game in the SEC tournament. Come on! I'm here for it. Yeah. And me says, what about a little shot fake? That might help I you mean, out a little yeah. bit. <laughs> How about that move? I love it. More aggressive on the offensive end for South Carolina. Block after block. And I'm like, ah. Oh. she goes, no, I just love to play. Now, she said, I didn't always love it. I said, well, when did you start playing? She said, when I was eight years old. She said, my mama and her mom played at the University of, of Alabama. She said, took her to play. And Victoria said, I hated it. The first time out, I shot the ball over the whole goal. <laughs> well, she didn't on that last layup. It was Victoria Sacker, South Carolina's point guard. Snowed up. Sneta Collins has gone themselves back into this game. You know, a big problem for Ole Miss has been turning the ball over, and South Carolina is just capitalizing on that. The Giants of South Carolina. That's sick. what she wanted to do with the basketball. Now it's all coming together. The patience that she's playing with, the poise. Henney in the corner. That's just the got an eye on that double double it would be her 23rd straight 10 points five rebounds Dumped down to Brie Beal The land of the to be picked up a lot of their players talk about how she really has been an inspiration to all of them Leticia and me here with the volleyball set back into the well, Missus' offense has struggled here in the third quarter. Angel Baker might be able to help that. She has been their leading scorer. To get things done. There's a mismatch. Baker, Cardoso, Boston steps in for the block. Down low. And one coming on both ends. I mean, that's what sets Aaliyah Boston apart. She affects the game on both sides. Look, player efficiency rating. Aaliyah Boston is the number one player in the country because she does that. Get it done on both ends. Down low to Cardoso. So we've whoever wins this game, they'll move on to the championship to get Tennessee or Kentucky. That's our second game coming up. Approximately 730 Eastern here on ESPNU And Madison Scott is fouled on the layup by Camila Cardoso her third foul Moment we were at that game you could feel that in your heart Leah Boston over there with tears coming down her face as Victoria Saxton walked out. Well, I'd be better and she wanted to play with great players That's certainly happening right now Shakira Austin from deep Austin now with eight kind of players. There's LaShonda Monk. She got to hit the layup. Madison Scott back to Austin. Elevates. Hey, that's a big decision of Madison Scott to understand. Angel Baker from the elbow. She's been the most consistent for almost. her heels. Eight seconds for Austin. Wow stepped around Victoria Saxton, ran into Aaliyah Boston, still finished the bucket. You started that whole call perfectly to the basket because they've been pretty se- successful getting to the free throw line. Pressure, Henderson, can she get through it? Too high for Victoria Saxton and the pressure paying off. is inside. Collins at the top of the screen. Austin will take the three. Do you like that shot? I do. And Destiny Henderson. Collins gets one of three shots. Monk, no on the putback. back. Aliyah Boston with the board. Anger draws the foul. Time winding down on Ole Miss in Nashville. Every opponent they face is going to break see on Sunday, South Carolina Back to the SEC tournament championship game for the seventh time They've never lost when they've made it to Sunday at the SEC tournament Like I said, is it the Don Staley
14: invitational?
7: Back to Hot Take Central. Always available on the 590 The Fan app. Now hear Cam, Charlie, and Jim on 590 The Fan.
14: New York City. New York City. You, are now you
15: are
16: now rapping. With 56.
14: Little 50X.
17: I'm not gonna lie to you. I never thought he was a good rapper.
4: He kind of mumbles his words like I do. It's because he got shot in the mouth. Doesn't matter. But hold on.
18: It doesn't matter. To be fair. It doesn't matter. To be fair. I don't know if any
19: rapper came out. Harder, stronger with his first hit than than 50 Cent with the Club. Not denying that. I mean, that song, you had never heard of the dude. Dun dun. And then it dun, immediately dun. became the greatest song of
18: the year. Because the, the beat was cool. But once he starts singing,
17: I just don't think he's got a good voice. You are so wrong on that hot take. Demerit, Demerit. The, the hottest rapper who had who came in strong in his first hit and then built a career that continues to go strong today is Young MC.
14: Okay,
17: I don't know him. <laughs> yeah, I just
19: you know it, young I know MC. Young MC. All of Cat's references are from the eighties. I'm trying. I'm I was trying born to keep in 1982.
17: Mm-hmm. Well, 50 Cent isn't that? He's my 2001. era. 2001. Not today. That came out
18: know. when I was in college. Yeah, that was 2001 ish. When the club it was came out. a up. while ago. He and Eminem came out at the same time, I think. He was just at the Super Bowl. He was in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a good rapper. He was hanging $1. upside
17: down like back in the day. Yeah,
18: like back in the day. Oh, my God. He got bashed for that. <laughs> All right. You ready to rock and roll or what? Let's see. Charlie, you got to. Uh, you want to do a live read before we go? Or you want, what do you want to do here, baby? I can always do a live read. Well, because Seth pointed at you, and I was wondering if that's what you meant. Are you pointing at Nate? Well, oh, here's the deal. Because you brought it up anyway, look, I can always talk about
14: Mark's Appliance.
19: Mark's Appliance, where I'm getting that beautiful oven, or yesterday, aforementioned, I did text our guy, Drew Bradley, and you can also give him a call at 618-656-9600, or you can shop online at MarksAppliance.com. Because, Kat, I wasn't putting this off. I wanted to go through the process like customers do. My wife went to MarksAppliance.com. She looked through the beautiful pictures, the beautiful descriptions of all of the appliances, and she said, boom, that's the one I want. Charlie, I'm going to send you a link on a Tuesday. I said, you know what? I think next Monday is the perfect day
17: <laughs> to start this process. I would like to know about the oven because it sounds very cool. Tell me a little bit about the oven that you're purchasing from more.
19: Well, let me look it up because I'm not going to lie to you. I trust my wife so much that I know it's the perfect oven, so I didn't really pay that close attention to all of the uh, parts of the oven, because that's what I do. If my
17: wife says I want something, I say, okay, let's get that oven. But it's a double oven. That's my point. It's it's a cool oven. If, everyone's got an oven, right? I, I mean, got a double one. You got a double? Mm-hmm. I don't have a double. I got built in right, I have a is. double oven. You
18: got to dream big, Jimmy. Well, the whole, the whole double oven thing.
19: Oh, is, yeah, let's,
17: go, like, let's wrap it up a little bit here because we got. We got uh,
19: it's a live read for our
18: sponsor. I'm just saying. I, we, don't, I'm just saying we love you, Mark Zimmerman. We love you, but like, you can bring Demarit. the oven down. Go no, there agree, and buy him. one.
19: Here it is. Yeah. It is a GE 30 inch slide in front control gas double oven. All right. Rain camera
18: Thank you. Good God Almighty. <laughs> All
19: right. You guys ready to rock and roll. Here we go. Hold on. Fit guarantee, no preheat air fry. No. Edge to edge cooktop, powerful burner options. Oh my gosh, Marks Appliance. Check them out. There you go. 618 656 9600 You can shop online at marksappliance.com. They're in Edwardsville, 1507 Troy Road. You don't have to live in Edwardsville because they're going to deliver to your house. I just did it. I'm telling you, it's easy. Get
17: cooking like Charlie. By the way. <laughs> that, <laughs> get cooking get like good. Charlie did. Don't you Mark's ever appliance. don't you
19: ever interrupt me in front of. In the middle of a live mm-hmm. read for uh, a sponsor, uh, that is a demerit.
18: No. No, that's no, a demerit. no, 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 how no, no, no. How He how how interrupted me? you and wanted you to break down an unnecessary part of the, you know, live read. He's talking ne- about the buying experience. That's a big part. No, it's a big man. part. Yeah, well, you want to break part. down the, the, the oven itself, and it's just like...
4: <sighs> all right, it's Trivia just, Tuesday right, is sponsored by The Post. Oh! Cheesy. Their progressive happy hour runs from Monday to Friday, 2 to 6, and features cheap drinks starting at $1.50 for select domestic drafts and wells. The price goes up 50 cents each hour, and it includes select appetizers and wine. Okay. Stay posted, my friends.
18: Don't you do not you do it.
19: Hold on. Don't you do it, Jim. I think this is where, because I love Seth, and I think I think part of the art, am, am I that good at it? No. But I think part of the art of a live read is the storytelling aspect. And Seth, you were just at the post. So yes. so you have great nuggets of information about the Progressive Happy Hour, but you could also tell folks the story of when you went there with your family, the experience, the ambiance.
4: Break down I, the, the, the sandwich. I did got. if we had more time. Yeah. Okay. Negative. Sorry, but we, we got to post. get going. And I, I, I'm gonna, I might go there We start there. a little earlier. I might go there, um, there. Um, Shout out to Micah, too. The uh, He's the manager at uh, the one in Maplewood. Yeah, awesome yeah. guy. What's Fantastic. Up, what's up, baby? All right. You
19: ready? Let's do it. Where's that music? Am I first? As always.
14: <laughs>
17: Isn't there music? Yeah, there there it is. is. This man. is
14: my jam like,
18: right you know. here. alright nineties future. My trivia
19: here. standings: Charlie five wins, Cat and Cam <laughs> two wins. Really, it's only one point
4: five. But again, this is kind of like a charity case at this point. So it let's go. Kind <laughs> All right, week ten, guys. Here it's we go. My good at it. Charlie, question number one: Since two thousand seven, only two offensive linemen have been drafted first overall. One being Jake Long. Who was the other? Great question. Since 2007? There's only been two offensive line drafted first overall. Oh, man. I
19: should know this. See, what came to mind was Joe Thomas. Was he not number one? Five. Thank I, I four, like sets on First man. overall. Three. Seth's on him. Two. Hey, hurry. Joe Thomas.
4: Eric Fisher.
17: <laughs> oh, jeez.
4: I should have yep. known that. Good old fishy. First year, uh, Andy rejoined. I should have, have known that. Coach. I didn't know. It. Central did, Michigan, I right? Know, I, didn't I didn't know, know
17: that either. Um, I didn't know. I, didn't I believe know.
4: so, yeah. Good call. I should have known that.
17: That's why these questions are good, because really good they're ones. something you could know, but they're just out of reach. They're just they're out of reach. They're just out of yep. reach. Yep. And it's like, you could beat yourself up for going scoreless on this thing. You should have known one or two, but they're just out of reach. That's so compliments to you.
4: Yeah, yeah. man. No demerit. It's like the New and one, but go ahead. All right, Cat. <laughs> How many NLCS appearances have the Cardinals made since 1999? Now I gotta go through my head and count oh, it up.
18: Well, you gotta figure you got 10 it. Ten seconds. Ten
4: seconds, baby. Damn. Oh, this is
18: this is right there for you. It's right there for you. Five. Right. Four. There for
4: you. Three. <coughs> two. Nope. Nope. You one. I don't, I don't have four.
13: Six.
4: Uh, no. How many have, NLCS appearances have they made? Not not one. Well, he's wrong. Well, he's wrong. 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 (laughs) It was ten. Okay, my bad. Ten?
19: 10 since 99.
4: That's really impressive. They made, they never ten, ten, made ten, not, 10 NLCS How many did they win? Uh, I think it was four. I want to see. Oh, they, four, they went. Oh 04, 6, has got a goofy
18: look on his face. There might be something to it. 05, 06.
19: No, no, no. That
4: they've made. Like, they've made the NLCS. Not one. Yeah. 04, 05, 06. 2000,
19: 2002,
4: 2019. I'm saying when they've made it as well. Well, you said 10, and that's about six. Well, well they okay. made it no, 11,
19: I'm, 12, 13, and yeah, then 14. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. I
4: mean. If you can, you can okay. and verify. Ooh, that's I a did, lot. That's I a lot Thank you. Hey, the players, Cardinals. You. We so crap on the part. Cardinals
19: a lot. It's pretty good. They're, they're pretty good. They're pretty they're good. good. I mean,
17: they're always in the mix. But I honestly, in the mix. that Bill was also DeWitt. my bad. I didn't listen carefully. Bill DeWitt's winning percentage as an owner is <laughs> oh, pretty yeah. much among some of the greatest of all time. Yep. Love. But that. he's the
18: worst. Yeah. He's the worst. He hates the I game. like them. I like that family. I didn't They're mean to come off there. strong there, by always. the
17: way. And they don't have to; they don't have to rebuild.
4: Exactly, man. Go ahead, buddy. What do you got? Number one for you, Cam. What was the name of the Toronto Maple Leafs Zamboni driver that became the Hurricanes' emergency goaltender? in Twenty twenty. Um,
18: 2020? um, um I, 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 um, I, I know. it's I mm, five four Brian D- Dayles, Brian, son of a gun, David Ayers, David Ayers. I will say that it's the
17: st- there, it's there for me. <laughs> it's just out of reach. A I can't, I can't think. I do think the stuttering, oh, though, god. does give the perception that you kind oh, of know it. So oh, I'm gonna try that, oh. even if I don't have a clue.
18: no, it's right, oh. David Ayers. <laughs> ch- 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 Son of a god, yeah, man, that was hardcore. Uh, that organization, tie game.
19: <laughs>
17: and by the way, Charlie's question was the hardest of that batch.
18: no right? doubt about it. Well, I think it was.
19: Well, Kat's question. It would have taken a long time to go through all the years
17: yeah. and really try and he, to count him. He brought in the cl- the clock quicker on me he, than he you did. ever did. I'll admit that he did, oh, did. You? Yeah, you did. It's fine. I wasn't gonna get it. for want a you to question. Start I also down misheard I the question. I know you know.
4: Well,
18: yeah. then that's
19: part of it. You want me
17: to start a clock back here? No, that's I, fair. I, I, no, I trust Seth.
19: Seth Demerrick, go ahead.
17: I trust Seth.
19: David Ayers,
4: God. Vote no, everyone,
17: please. By the way, as a group, we've missed twelve straight questions. I know. <laughs> all right, what and, do we got? And when you get mad, you sound like Tommy Boy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Chris Parley, that's. Uh, but I love my I'm pretty little pet. Yes, that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but then right. I rip it apart. Round two, Charlie. Which former Cardinal pitcher has started for the most teams in MLB history? Oh,
19: I know this one. Oh. So, in terms of he has made a start for the most amount of teams, Correct. other teams, that would be our guy, I believe, 2011 World Series champion, Edwin Jackson. One on Yay. the board. You wanted that one, didn't you? You wanted that one. Well, you ain't getting it. That was an easy one. It's a good thing you said starter, because Dotel. Yeah. No, I, I made All sure. Right. I
4: checked. Yeah. I, I had to make sure. Cat is not happy
19: right now. <laughs> he did give you a question of your wheelhouse of covering the Cardinals, though, which was
18: 99 suppress- Since the time you started. Yep. Ooh. And
17: then, you st- ah. then you asked the question, yeah. and you started counting down Right away.
18: Right away. And I was loud, too, and you're trying to concentrate. <laughs> I wasn't
17: going to get it. I didn't know. I got you.
4: All right, go ahead, Seth. All right, Jim. What former Kentucky quarterback was known as the hefty lefty?
17: I just read this. <laughs>
4: I think this one's easy
17: I just read this
4: I'll give you some grace time this time around
17: well not Good that much I mean
4: what's funny do you
17: know it well, four three I can't remember
18: his name see
19: that's
17: two, an appropriate count there.
18: one yeah. he didn't get it
17: can zero, I?
19: can I go they also call him the Pillsbury Throwball. one yeah. negative is it uh, Jared something yes with a P Jared Lorenzen, Jared Lorenzen, the Pillsbury throw boy. I
17: just read this and I couldn't come up with his name. I just read it. You're almost there. <laughs>
18: <laughs> this one was not. <laughs> out Jim's of like I'm just like I can't believe
19: you even got one. He's in my kitchen.
18: He is, dude. All right, what do you got, Seth? What do you got for oh, me? Oh,
19: by here? the way, that's what I thought. He died. Oh yeah, two, I thought he years died. Ago. He died July third, twenty nineteen.
4: That's where he, he read like that. That's too bad. Yeah, he was just, about... Uh, I just read, uh, read something, something About, it. I about just read 37, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. No one remember, ever remembers his name, though. It's weird. Especially Jim.
17: I can picture him. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, Cam. This former NHL All-Star played for the Thrashers, the Senators, the Sharks, the Wilds, and Healy. the Ducks. Boom, boom.
18: Get on with yourself. You know what else he did, by the way? Got into a car accident with his Lamborghini with Dan Snyder and killed him yep. during training camp. Jeez. We're trying to get him on, but Are he's not doing anything. Are you picking
17: questions that have some horrific connotations?
18: <laughs> well, I just <laughs> knew that's Danny Healy, man. He <laughs> had one tooth, scored four goals in an all-star game. Now no one even talks about him, but yeah, I knew that right
17: away. Now hold I on. I should get
18: two points for that. Was that an easy question? No, dude. Okay.
19: Listen, He just named three teams. teams.
17: Listen, I just. Cam. Just, I just figured it out Cam before you chirp me about not getting that last question Please understand it was about a Kentucky quarterback Yeah
18: I, he said okay. Kentucky and I'm like Ooh. okay. So
17: if, if, Please don't chirp no, me on that I'm When you chirping. get every NHL question
18: right? I'm not chirping oh, you on that wow. but you haven't got one in three weeks It's true What do we got here? Last round
4: One a piece between Want a piece, and Let's go. God I hope this one's not too seriously Alright Charlie here we go Too easy or hard? I mean hard he meant easy. You're loading uh, up. You're loading up. There's Hang an on. alliance. No, 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 no. All right, Charlie. Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Ridley. Yeah. The MLS expanded from twenty. 28- Come
18: on. <laughs>
20: the, the WNBA. MLS, the
4: MLS expanded from 28 to 30 teams, including uh, St. Louis City SC, who was the other city granted a team. Oh.
19: Okay, but wasn't it granted and then did they fall off?
4: No, they, they started this year. They're already playing, I believe so.
17: I believe. so. Don't, what. What I is the facial? So.
18: Okay.
19: <laughs> what is
17: the facial? Did you see it? To throw in what are you doing? Face. What are
18: you doing over there?
19: Okay, but hold on. You're telling me the same year Count that, down. that St. Count Louis down. was granted a team.
18: Count them down. Seven, six, five. Name a city. Four. Okay, I thought it was Sacramento, but I don't think they're playing yet.
4: Charlotte. Charlotte. FC. I knew that.
19: That was with, with, with St. Louis.
4: I just know that they expanded Uh-oh. from between God, now. I just I
18: just don't know about this. When, one. When no, you, Charlie. Just so, looking looking know,
17: just so you know, just so you know. But if you're the, the the questioner that did the research, you can't answer. I thought. Yeah. As the first you have. Part okay. Of okay. Of yeah. Sorry. No. You're right. You're right. I mean, of the facts of the case. They. I don't
4: know. I all I know is that two teams expanded from 20 to 30, <laughs> and then St. Louis was one of them, and and Charlotte was the other one. They started this year. Listen, I Maybe think we I ought to throw specified. out
17: the scores from this round <laughs> do <know>. start know. <laughs> Charlie didn't get it. He it's didn't get it. Dude, it's he's
18: a
4: lot. he's listen, up 5-2. He, he didn't. Relax. It's, five a to lot,
17: it's a lot like buying an oven. You need time to kind of Hold work. Hold on. This. Oh, God. Hold uh. on. Wikipedia. The league planned to expand to
19: 30 teams with the addition of Austin FC in 2021, Charlotte in 2022, and Sacramento and St. Louis in 2023. However, this was reduced to 29 after Sacramento's bid was placed on indefinite hold, which is what I said. Yeah, but you didn't get Charlotte. No, it's Charlotte. The whole thing, St. Louis came in with Sacramento. And then they took Sacramento's bid. But Charlotte was there. Char- yeah, Charlotte's, Charlotte's right. playing but Charlotte's right now there. Yeah, but but Charlotte came oh. in. They got oh. awarded an MLS expansion God. team before St. Louis. That's like St. Louis was in the running then. What are we was doing? doing? What are really do we doing? What do you want to do? All I'm what do we want to do? Is I had to cover this a little bit at Fox Two. And I feel like we always talked about Sacramento with St. Louis. It's fine. I I missed that. Okay, it. Got to let I'm sorry. That's kind of
18: Seth's fault, but we've all had one of those. That's yours. No, that's the L.
17: Jimmy. You're up next. I, I don't really want to get oh involved, God. but I but I do think... We've got two minutes. I <laughs> yeah. do think Charlie has a point. I Listen. do too. We're, we're bitter competitors, and we, uh, we go after each other all the time. I'm just saying, out of fairness, I believe Charlie has a point. But okay, to be fair now, question.
19: apparently Sacramento's bid is now
4: on indefinite hold. So yeah. maybe they won't get a team. What if okay. I was implying are who are the two teams that are actively yeah. playing... That no, have he, didn't from to he, he didn't get the damn question. He didn't get the question.
17: The result is that the entertainment value of this show is now on indefinite hold.
4: Yeah. Fair. <laughs> Jimmy's up. I'm sorry. I will be more direct with my. It's questions. August. More accurate. Be better. It was accurate, actually. I'm demerit. Oh, 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 oh. Jacques oh. Demerit. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, Jim. Who was the Saint Louis? Uh, who was Saint Louis's first head coach for the Rams in 1995?
18: That's a good should question, though. It's just right should know. One there. here. <laughs> one here. I was in Delaware.
17: <laughs> I know his name. Five. I can picture oh. him. Oh, Four. Lord. Oh, Lord. He was awful.
4: Three. Two. Say it. Just say it. Rich Brooks. Hmm. And he was awful.
19: Can I just ask one more question? I hate to be this guy. In your question, did you say that the MLS had expanded to thirty teams?
4: <laughs> Without revisioning it. Did they, what go what is it now?
19: It. Well it's at twenty nine. Okay, I'm because sorry. Because of Sacramento. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not a I don't follow the MLS.
18: He didn't team, get it right. So. You didn't get it right. It's okay. It's okay. Go ahead.
4: Go ahead. Let's go.
17: And I I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I could end it. To no to more MLS.
4: Yes, can. Questions. I'm done. Done. I could end this for the win. Had a let's nice go. break. Got the mind right. Well, it ain't, well it's going to get right. Go ahead. All right. Who has the hardest recorded punch in UFC history? Ooh. Good question. God, that is an unbelievable question. It's a good question. It's so a oh, make-up for me. I know.
18: Question. It's a guy from um, from actually C- Central Africa, I believe.
17: African-American guy. Don't look him in the eye. Uh-huh. Like he's trying to get information to uh, tell out of you. Um, Francis Ngayou.
4: <laughs> wow.
18: All y'all, sit down. Hell of a get. Dang it. All y'all, sit down.
17: We have I'm a winner. I'm now trailing Cam in the standings. All next y'all. Next week, I'm coming to fight. All oh, yeah. y'all, sit next down. Next week, I'm coming to fight. Because now this and is, is dead. From Gosh, And I'm Brendan.
19: <laughs> <laughs> this cannot happen.
17: Well done. Good I got to say, that was good. Well done, Cam. I know things.
19: Look, look. You were killing yourself all day because you were groggy oh. from your trip. Oh. This is when your mind works the best
4: after you've had a yeah. fun weekend in New York City. Not necessarily. And my question was, dicey. Not necessarily. That's on me. I will make sure it's more. We've black all and white. had those. From you it's well. all good. We've yeah. had those from me. i just Charlie. So didn't get.
18: You so. char- could have said Charlotte. He didn't say Charlotte. He said Sacramento. He should have said Charlotte. That's it. Shout-out
19: to the Charlotte fans who
17: uh, picked up the anthem singer the other day. I saw that. That was a pretty cool I moment. like that. I like when the fans do I that. I do,
18: too. I like that, too. Of course,
17: too. the UFC website has – I'm not even going to bring it up. Uh, the record for Hardest Punch has another name attached to it, Corner of the UFC. <laughs> the one I get looked on up yourself. said Francis Ngannou. I don't think I, I, don't know, Frankie. I Frankie's at I, I know Big Frankie. I that guy throws bomb. A little bit.
18: I know Big Frankie. He's trying to go to, he's, he's not going to sign with UFC anymore either because of contract disputes with Dana White. Well done, Cam. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, good thank job, you, Cam. thank you. Good job. All right, guys. Uh, good, good to end. be back. Frankie's up next. We'll see all y'all tomorrow. This is Hot Take Central. Find out the fan at 590 Fan.com.
7: Audio Jungle.
16: welcome to the tea for the queen podcast the podcast where we try to keep our sanity in an era of staying woke we explore current events and issues and topics through the lens of progressive thought discussion feminism peace and love all while keeping wellness at the center of it all my name is tiara burns i am your host and this is your episode I've noticed something very interesting in the past few years. Not only has there been more discussion about racism and restorative justice and reconciling where this country, the United States, has gotten us honestly, this is our entire society has gotten us because of racism. There has also been a byproduct discussion, which is a discussion about colorism. Colorism is discrimination against those with darker skin tones, it happens in every culture in all societies around the world. I know that more people know what colorism is. We can point it out and we now have the language for it. But most importantly, I wanted to ask and have a conversation with Dr. Sarah Webb about what do we do and where do we go now that we know what colorism is. So I want you guys to enjoy this conversation. If there's anyone that you want to talk to about colorism, Dr. Webb is the person to talk to. She has done TEDx speeches. She's been on NPR. She does academic articles. She does workshops. She does it all when it comes to this thing. And I know that you guys will take some value from this conversation. I can't wait to get your feedback and I'll catch you on the other side. Let's get into it. Dr. Webb how's it going today? It is
21: going great. Oh, that's the good. sun is shining, it's warming up outside.
16: <laughs> yeah it's 60 degrees there and I think it's like 40 or 50 here in Dallas and I'm just kind of like I'm not I'm not I'm not liking it but no um, I'm so happy that you're here you know uh, I you. feel you know we went from TikTok And now we're, um, we're here.
21: (laughs) Yes. I
16: love it. And I'm, I'm not sure if you, I don't, I don't talk about my podcast on my TikTok at all. It's just me having fun. So yeah, I'm just happy that you were open to it because you're like, this doesn't have anything to do with what she talks about her, her TikTok because it's random. (laughs) I enjoy your TikToks though. They are fun. Okay. Good, good, good. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to be talking about colorism today. That is your area of expertise. So give me a little brief, um, like what was the instance that made you want to get involved in uh, doing work for Healing Colorism?
21: Yeah, so it was, I think it was the a culmination of things. I think it was the accumulation of all the experiences I had had in my life. Um, so obviously I experienced it as a dark-skinned, you know, Black girl growing up in South Louisiana at that. But I didn't speak up about it. And so I think what ma- gave me the push to finally speak up was two things. One, I was teaching high school and my students, it was a predominantly African American high school. And my students were saying colorist things. And part of me, you know, because I had not done any studying, had never talked about colorism before, even though I was experiencing it. So part of me was really surprised that this was still happening. I was like, yo, I thought this was just a thing in my generation. I thought this was something that would have gone away after I left high school. But it hit me that it's going to continue to go from generation to generation to generation if we don't do something. So I think that kind of woke me up that this is a problem that's going to continue if we don't actually try to do something. And the second thing is that that also happened to be the year when Bill Duke came out with the documentary, Bill Duke and other people at, at all, I should say, came out with the Dark Girls documentary. And I saw Ta-Nehisi Coates, um post about how his light-skinned mother scolded him for saying he only date light-skinned girls in response to the movie. And he posted the trailer. He embedded the, the preview of the movie in his blog post. And that made, made me feel like it was safe enough to talk. Because I was like, okay, here go these famous people saying things that I have been seeing my whole life, but nobody was trying to hit it. And so now it's like, okay, I'm not the only one saying it. Like, here's proof that it's not just me. I'm not just crazy. I'm not just being too sensitive. So that kind of also gave me the courage to finally speak publicly about it.
16: Yeah, that's great. And you know, um, I did some research and in the past five years, there's been like almost a tripling of increase on Google searches on colorism. I'm not sure if you know that. And the spike happened, it's so funny, it happened in June of 2020. And of course, right? And also June of 2021 is when the spikes both happened on Google for people searching for wow. colorism. And they were attached to Lin-Manuel uh, uh, Lin mm-hmm. Miranda. Mm-hmm. It was attached to um, Blackish, And I want to say, um, mm-hmm. oh God, what's that show that makes everybody cry? This Is Us. I haven't seen This Is Us. <laughs> I'm not going to watch This Is Us because I don't want to
21: cry. <laughs>
16: um, but see, I, those I haven't were... watched it
21: in a while, but I cry every episode.
16: So see, you're good. You're you know, good. life life is hard <laughs> enough. Okay, I don't exactly. need I don't need that. Um, so why do you think it's it's funny you said that about Tyne and Coats? Why do you think, other than the obvious reasons of um, what happened in 2020, why do you think there has been a consistent increase in interest in this topic?
21: Yeah. Well, when I say I'm super excited that that happened because when I started, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that was actually one of a motivation for starting it too is because I wasn't seeing enough conversations that people could access online. You know, they mm-hmm. had books written, but nobody was reading books and learning about color. It's like, we got to do something online. So mm-hmm. I think, and it's interesting you said 2020 was like a really big spike because that's also when my following grew because I started in like 2011, 20 between 2011 and 2013. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, you know, like 2,000 followers, 3,000 followers in 2020 hit. And I was like, oh, I'm in the five <laughs> digits. Um, but I think one is the internet, right? I think as the internet matures, as more and more people start to use it and start to engage on it, I think we see conversations that, ha- that the mainstream had ignored finally gaining traction,
14: mm-hmm.
21: right? And finally, you know, people who do know about colorism are able to build platforms and help to spread that awareness. And then also I think, I look at the younger generations and I'm always like, they are so much more woke at their age than I was at that age. And so I think we're just seeing, like, fortunately, once because the information has now been out there, people are able to discover it sooner in life at earlier ages. And we know Millennials, yes, Um, but also what's what's the generation after millennials? Um, Gen Z,
16: Gen Z, yes, the babies, yeah,
21: they (laughs) are. I think taking the internet by storm. You know, with TikTok, flew off, flew or grew. Why am I fumbling through my words? TikTok took off. Um, because of them. And I think they are even more vocal. They're even more willing to speak truth to power than um, you know, my generation was. And so they are extremely aware of colorism. I, asked, I, I told the story of how I didn't know the word colorism until 2011, 2012, when I started actively blogging and writing about it. So I asked in my comments on Instagram, I said, when did you first learn about colorism? Are about the word colorism and somebody left the comment i've always known the word colorism and part of me was like but how old are you though <laughs> yeah how
16: old are you come on now yeah right. because,
21: you know definitely if you have a certain age that was not a popular term at all so
16: yeah we but just knew um light popular. skin versus dark skin that's what that's what exactly. i grew up understanding light skin yep. versus dark skin and it's yep. so funny in my um So my mom is light-skinned, right? Um, She doesn't consider her light, but I'm like, girl, come on now come on now and my dad he's from mama my mom was born and raised in detroit my dad is from like deep red dirt alabama you know what i mean so my dad he's really really deep deep chocolate and i'm the um in my in my siblings i have three other siblings uh i'm the light-skinned version and i'm like i am not i'm not light-skinned you know what i mean so But growing up, I would hear then as I've gotten older um, and I start to look more like my mom, that that is what I get. And I'm kind of I don't know how to feel about that. um, But I also I'm I'm bringing this uh, into my niece. So my niece right now, she's dealing with bullying at school. She's about she's about to turn eight this year. They've brought up her weight, her skin, and I listened to your story about what happened with your mom and your aunts and how they were complimenting your sister versus you. Um, what were some of the things that you felt you well, you if you could go back and tell whisper in someone's ear during that time? What were some of the things that you, that you wish would have been affirmed to you about who you are?
21: Come on, Tiara, big <laughs> <you> <laughs> <laughs>
7: That's not where I thought that question
21: was going. That's okay. Really cool.
7: okay.
21: <laughs> um, I thought you were just going to ask me what experiences I had. You know no, what I mean? No, Which is, you know, no, a, a valid question. <laughs> but I like where you took it. Yeah. Um But I think. To, to that point is I see you because, I, I like I said, I was talking to someone in Atlanta earlier and I, in a lot of those instances, people would not actively criticize me. They wouldn't actively bully me. They just would act like I wasn't there. So in showering my lighter skin sister, or my lighter skin cousins with compliments, you know, they walk into the house or walk through like, oh, you know, they're so so cute and so pretty. Look at these beautiful girls. You know, just all the attention is on my sisters are cousins who are lighter and not a word will be said to me or about me, just like as if I was not there. And so I think even just, it's kind of sad to think about, but like even just like, oh, hey, I see you too. Like you're in the room as well. We acknowledge you. And we also think you're a pretty little girl, right? Um, But I think also it... Having those experiences, feeling that, especially as a young age, did make me bitter, did put a chip on my shoulder, right? As the darker skinned sister who was constantly, you know, ignored or not validated when the person right next to me was being validated. And so that then became a self-fulfilling prophecy because people thought I had an attitude or people thought, well, she's the mean one. I'm like... I wouldn't be mean if y'all would treat me the same way y'all treat other people in the room. Right. And so it kind of became this like vicious cycle. And so I think one of the things that could have been affirmed was um, like, you're you're not bad or you're not um, mean, you're not. You are actually you actually have a valid concern like that would have been a great affirmation, a great affirmation if, if an adult or an older person would have told me, no, like what you're seeing and feeling is actually happening to you. And we're not going to gaslight you and, and say, oh, just just, you know, don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what they think. Like, no, we acknowledge that th- this is a real thing that happens in the world. And we're sorry that it's happening to you. Um but your the way you feel is a valid response to being treated that way. Um, and then I think, you know, it would have helped if I did have other adults who were aware and actively talking about it, even if they couldn't change the situation. I think it would have helped if they had at least if I had at least seen that people knew and cared.
16: Mm hmm. Um- that what you said about uh being called mean, I was also called mean too. And um, I was just a kid, you know. But do you feel that um and I feel like the compliments that black dark skinned girls received are very different than the compliments that light skinned girls received. Very, very different. Um, and a lot of the compliments that we received me and my sisters, you know, we're all of every of our community. We grew up and we were considered, oh, the smart girls, you know, the ones who were we all were all college educated, um, D9, all those things. But it felt looking back now that we're on this discussion, it feels like there was some unconscious um compensation to make up for. OK, well, at least, you know, I'm not pretty, but I'm smart as hell. You know what I mean? So. Do you think there's some truth to that and, um, expecting that, you know, dark skinned women, like we kind of have to compensate in so many different ways, you know? One thousand percent.
21: (laughs) One thousand percent. And actually I've, I've done a couple, I think I did one recently talking about like, um, I don't know, uh, we internalize the colorism sometimes Mm -hmm. and, um, You know, when Black folks say, oh, we have to be twice as good as white folks. I'm like, as a dark-skinned person, does that mean I have to be three times as good as everybody else? You know, that's really how it felt like. And that's my exact story. I was like, well, I ain't going to get no points for being pretty. So I got to be smarter. I got to be funnier. I got to be cooler. I got to just in some way... Prove my value or prove my work, right? And I think part of the healing process that I've gone through and that I try to coach other dark skinned people through is that no, you don't have to prove that, right? It's inherent. You can stand in it, sit in it, just being you and you don't have to like add on all these extra layers. You know, I used to think, Oh, maybe if I learn five languages, then it'll then that'll be the trick that Ooh, makes it. I, I don't, I've I don't tried know, to I don't learn four, four.
16: So you yeah, probably <laughs>
21: I I tried to learn before. I
16: don't know too so that's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was a, that was a stretch for me, but okay. um,
21: yeah, that's definitely a thing, and I think even you know when it comes to like wearing my natural hair, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the the idea of like well, I, I wouldn't dare be dark skinned and have short hair. I wouldn't dare be dark skin and have a natural or I wouldn't dare be dark skinned and wear loud colors. I can't wear yellow, I can't wear red lipstick, and so there are a lot of ways that I feel dark skinned women feel like we have to. Contort ourselves even
16: more Mm. than
21: other women in particular have to.
16: So, what are some of the daily practices that you use to work with that through that contortion?
21: Yeah. So I'm going to talk about affirmations. And I know people who follow me regularly going to get sick and tired. They got a TikTok sound <laughs> I want to use called Y'all Gonna Get Sick of Me. Y'all Gonna Get Sick of Me. I love that sound. I, <laughs> I love, love that song. We're going to talk about affirmations. But that was when um, my I think my life really started to change. When I started applying and using affirmations, and
14: mm-hmm. affirmations
21: could come in any form. It could be a song that's an affirmation mm-hmm. for you, and like it could be like a YouTube TED Talk. You can watch a TEDx talk on YouTube, and that's affirming for you. But just like positive words, positive messages, and writing them down, saying them to myself. And in the beginning, when I had the most work to do, it was uh I was extra with it. I have to say that depending on where you are in your journey, if you're just starting, you might have to be a little extra with some of your daily practices to really get, get over the inertia, right. That inertia Mm -hmm. of just starting. And so I would do them every day. I had like a, a blue composition notebook and I had filled it up like thousands of affirmations and like quotes and stuff like that. But also I think knowing when you're most vulnerable is really helpful. So I used to wake up in the morning and like my thought spiral would just automatically start. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can't let myself just lay in bed. Cause if I lay in bed, I'm gonna start thinking and that's Mm -hmm. gonna be bad for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I did that. I was like, okay, get up as soon as you can and start your day and just override that tendency to, to go down a negative thought spiral. And then on top of that, I was like since until I get to a place where I can trust my own thoughts to be positive and affirming, I'm going to listen to someone else's voice instead of listening to my voice because right now my voice is not working with me. It's working against me. And so I would like mm. have again a YouTube video or a podcast or just some audio that I could click play on in the morning that I can listen to when I'm waking up and doing that sort of thing. So I think those were have been the most consistent daily practices i've used
16: that's wonderful yeah i use affirmations as well um i'm not that good at them but when i use them they're very powerful um i have started uh incorporating more inspirational music into my daily diet which is you know i'm I'm getting there um my next question (laughs) is so um We talked about the up, the, um, the risings in 2020 and how they affected people's views on colorism. Um, what does healing look like now that people are, I guess you could say more woke or aware of the situation for everybody?
21: So I think my, my own definition of healing has evolved as I've been doing this work. And I think of it as like four layers. And the first Mm -hmm. layer is I think what most of us think about, which is just like, healing my own emotional pain and healing the way I think about myself, healing, you know, self-love kind of healing Mm and cultivating self-love, cultivating self-confidence, self-acceptance, just for ourselves as individuals. But I also talk about healing as retraining our brains with the biases that we've been entrenched with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if someone has a negative bias towards, someone because they're darker or because their hair texture is a certain way or they have wide features, like unlearning that. I think unlearning the negative racist stereotypes that have led to colorism in the first place is a part of that healing work as well. And I think the layer next to that is healing our relationships with each other. And actually, I just posted on my Instagram a conversation I did with my biological sister um, as a lighter skinned person. And I think We know, you know, like you said, light skin versus dark skin, how colorism has ruined a lot of the ties within the black community, within the African American Mm -hmm. community, even within actual families, like not even just the black community as a concept, but like actual families Mm -hmm. don't like each other because colorism has gotten in there and messed with people. Right. And so one Healing relationships with each other means taking accountability for where mm. we have caused harm, taking accountability for the ways that we maybe take up too much space or have certain privileges, taking accountability for the ways that we have committed acts of violence or bullied our own, you know, family, or made jokes that to us were just jokes, but we don't know who might have been offended by that, you know what I mean? And then just making a commitment to do better and to change. And then I think about healing. Because I I see colorism as a disease, a social disease. And so Mm -hmm. eradicating that from the social fabric gradually. I mean, there are theories that say stuff like this will never go away. But if we can get to a tipping point where even if it still exists, it's not the dominant narrative out there Mm -hmm. in society.
16: Yeah. As long as we can get to the point where everyone agrees this is actually wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I think. We're at the point where people are ashamed and embarrassed, as they should be, to be identified as a racist. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that happen with colorism. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. that's what no, I would like I to, to see.
13: A don't don't <laughs> call
16: me a colorist. Don't call me. Ra- yeah, no, that is it. Is what you are. You need to be addressing that. So I also want to talk about um Tandy Newton. Did you see what happened? Mm-hmm. Her beautiful apology. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic because we needed that I mean, <laughs> it, you know yeah she so what is a did, flare. yeah <laughs> what did you think about that
21: so okay so i admit that i am not the best with keeping up with and responding to celebrity news and stuff like that um because even people have be been like have you have you talked about this? Like where are you, Dr. Webb? But mm-hmm. I actually did an interview with Mark Lamont Hill on it because they Good. someone else couldn't do it, so they reached out to me. And so one of the first things I said was, I don't even think I, I don't even call it an apology. I don't even think it was an apology. I think some um a declaration the, uh, the I feel like it was um I'm sorry you feel that way. Right? Like if, if somebody does something and you like call them out on it and say, oh that I feel like you were being racist. I'm like, well, I'm sorry you feel like I'm a racist, but I'm not. That's basically what it felt like to me. Like, I am innocent here when what I think she didn't do was take responsibility, which is what we would have really needed. Like, as an actress, Tandy Way Newton, you could say no. And we have seen younger actresses, younger biracial actresses say no. And they get it. They're like, "Ooh, you know, I have a lot of other opportunities I could take. I'm a pass on this one because it don't feel right to take up this kind of space. And I'm like, if the young if the youngins can get it, Tandy way, you also could have said no to certain things and or said, if I accept this, I'm bringing somebody else with me. I remember somebody did that on a magazine cover one time, I think. Um, I don't know if they were different skin tones, but I remember one actress who was a little more famous, maybe said, if I'm going to be on the cover for this film, I want my co-star on the cover right beside me. Right. And like there are actual things you can take which are more helpful than you crying on the Internet about things that you could have changed. So that was how
16: I felt about it. <laughs> yeah. I, when I heard her, um, I call it a declaration of a light skin. <laughs> That's what I call it. Um, when I, like I heard it, I like that, it. I now give her the same heat that I give Zoe Saldana for playing, um, playing Nina that Simone. role, playing Nina Simone. I I, mm-hmm. I give her the same heat now because it's like, you're obviously aware. If you have to go and sit in a chair and get layers of skin on your face get black get into blackface get into a whole bodysuit. prosthetic nose something is not you know, like you have to something isn't right there you know what i mean like because there are people born with those features and they're walking all over california you know what i mean so i Correct. give her that same heat so how do you think that um how do you think that entertainment perpetuates that? Because I'll also bring in an article that I read about um black couples, um, that you Ooh. see even in commercials. <laughs> and it's always <laughs> it's always wild to me. Um, even like, okay, so like you know the the man is always gonna be dark skinned, right? He's gonna be a yep. dark skinned brother, right? Yep. The, the the woman, she's gonna be light skinned, right? Yep. And even if she isn't, if say she's medium dark skinned, the daughter will be biracial, <laughs> and I don't understand that <laughs> you know what I mean no. you, but you know what I'm talking
21: about right <laughs> the The links they go to to be colorist. I'm like, y'all it just don't y'all make sense. going out of your way to be colorist like you're going out of your way to do this and one hundred percent correct, I think, and I've had people say, you know, when you point out to somebody that the man is most likely gonna be dark. Dark. The man is most likely gonna be darker, and the woman's most likely gonna be lighter. I've had people come back and say, "I see it all the time now. I can't unsee it. It's like mm-hmm. you can't unsee that pattern because it's so pervasive." Um. So that's definitely true. And I think even if the woman is dark skinned,
16: mm-hmm. it's
21: the man is always darker. Right? Like, even mm-hmm. if it's like a darker brown woman, they're gonna find a man who's even darker than her. Mm-hmm. And it's rare. I think people, like, let's say Issa Rae, I, I really do like Issa Rae, um, where she, for a while, she was dating a lighter skinned man, and like her co star was dating like men who are lighter. Like, if when that happens, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. And so I heard Issa Rae doing a live interview once she was asked the question, you know, did you purposely have two dark dark-skinned leading ladies instead of always going with the the uh, cliche light skin friend, dark skin friend. Right. And she was like, yeah, I did that on purpose because in reality, two dark dark-skinned people can be p- best friends. Right. And so I think someone like her. Is very intentional and very aware about how they're presenting people of different skin tones on screen. And so I do think that that team was like, yo, let's break out of that trope and like, let's let the guy be the lighter one in the relationship for a change. And then to your point about the mixed race daughter, I remember I was doing, um, a, on a panel with the, on the Tammy Mack show and one of, and those people, they have way more access, like insight into Hollywood than I do. And someone said, that on my wife and kids, I think it was, the daughter when she was really young was actually dark skinned and are like darker skin and like fit in with the family look, the family features. But when she was supposed to grow up and become of dating age, they they the producers, the showrunners were like, Well, we have to make her look like someone that we think boys would date that we think boys would be interested in. And so that's a very interesting dynamic. And even when I think about the show, The Wonder Years and how you have all of these like beautiful dark skinned women, but the love interest of the main character is a little lighter and has like a looser curl pattern. She's not, I wouldn't say she's light skin, but she's lighter than him. Right. Um, And I think there is, whether it's a white person making the movie, a non-black person. And unfortunately, even when we make our own movies, there's this belief that if, particularly if the woman is supposed to be attractive to men, that it can't be a dark skinned woman or it can't be a woman with natural hair. right, Or it can't even be like a plus size woman, even like it has to be a very narrow white supremacist, patriarchal version of what a attractive woman looks like.
16: Yeah. Very popular. Did you know that this is allegedly um, the role that HBO wanted? Um, I'm sorry, the actress that they wanted to play Issa's character was Lauren London. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I read that in her book. Yeah. She said,
21: <laughs> like, they, they suggested Lauren London. She was like, they don't get it. And I'm so thankful that she didn't back down. Yes. Right? Yes. Because a lot of people would have said, well, let me go ahead and get this check. You know, it's a job. You know, who am I? But like, because she wasn't even popular yet. <laughs>
16: No she it's was not like not. she
21: had she had rank. Like now she of course she has rank. But back then she was just getting started and she said no thank you. So in, until more people are willing to do that, willing to say no thank you, willing to say this might be what y'all say we want, but it ain't what I'm going to do. I don't I just don't think there are enough even even amongst black creators there aren't enough of us who are courageous enough to do that in
16: Hollywood or whatever other media industry. Do you think that's something that's changing though? Or do you think yeah. they were almost there? Maybe? Yeah.
21: No, I think hopefully Issa Ray sees this and, you know, brings me on her next project. <laughs> but I think she's yeah, an example. Yeah, me too. I'm,
16: you know, I got, you, I got your cups. Hey, see? <laughs> we got Whoa. y'all.
21: If you're out there, we're sending out the bat signal. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I think she's an example of change. Yeah, um, and I think you know I love how everyone who's been a, was a part of that insecure project. I've seen them do other work. I've seen them like go on to write for other shows, direct other things, star in other things, just make their own projects. Also, a relatively new show that I love is uh, Abbott Elementary with Quinta Brunson. Yes, um, yes. Uh, uh, black lady sketch show yes i love it and, and so twitter yeah Yes. <laughs> oh she's from twitter i don't know that much yeah about that's
16: twitter. sorry you know yeah that's how she no. <laughs> she got famous but i'm listening go, go. okay cool yeah. see that's good
21: to <laughs> so, internet the internet is giving people opportunities yes they said she wouldn't be where she was if it wasn't for youtube right but um so that's that that's really exciting to know that she is quinta brunson is where she is just from starting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, um, But one of the reasons why I like the dark skin representation in that show is because they're also, like, not um, the Kelly Rowland kind of dark skin girls, if you catch my drift, right? They are fuller. Um, one of the older teachers is an older, dark-skinned Black woman with really full lips, you know, and, like, curves and things like that and even quinta Brunson herself you know she's shorter and has like a full face and i'm just like you don't have to look like tika sumter or kelly Rowland as a dark-skinned person to be in a leading role
16: on tv and i love that even the principal who is hilarious <laughs> me and my mom was like she's the funniest <laughs> she is the funniest one didn't she have like a foot scrub in her office or something like foot soak in her office i love her character so much but she what i love about her is that she's so like kind of relatable you know what i mean like she's not she's when you look at like schools in america she's not the only dark-skinned principal that there is right. you know what i mean but yeah. if, if you looked at hollywood how they usually portray principals in urban cities it's not us you know and just the fact that we can name
21: three dark skin actresses on one show, yes, unprecedented. One show, unprecedented. Usually, they might have a they might have a token, but yeah, I'm just like, I really like what's what I'm seeing here. So that more sign of progress. I think that's really big progress. Actually, is Abbott Elementary.
16: And also I love how they um, the children that, the, the there's like a various of the children, like it's just very, it's very intentional and mindful. Ew. You know what I mean? It's yeah. No, no, the kids look like real kids. They don't look like, um, sterilized
21: versions of what people want kids to be. Right. They look like they really took local kids from the community. It was like, Hey, y'all come get this money. <laughs> I yes.
16: like, I love it. <laughs> My favorite one is a little girl who, um, asked to be in Quinta's Janine's class. And yes. Quinta was like, oh, she wants to be in my class because I'm a better teacher. You know what I mean? And that kid put, that girl put her through hell. That was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yes. hilarious. And just like the, being able
21: to be imperfect as dark skinned black woman. Like we're going to talk about the principal, She doesn't have to be, she can be extremely flawed, but still be likable. And still be a fan favorite as a dark-skinned woman. And it's not like, oh, the, the dark-skinned woman is cast as this like stereotype or the antagonist or, you know, just like some evil person. And it's just, it's really refreshing. And it's sad that I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. It's just so, it's healing. The, the younger version of me who would flip through channel after channel. And even once... Streaming came along. You know, you're searching through HBO Max, you're searching through Hulu, you're searching through Netflix. And even now in 2022, it's still rare, even on the Amazon Prime, it's still rare to see movies and TV shows that do a good job of portraying dark skinned women.
16: There are there, 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 there more, but it's still hard. I know for me, when I want to watch something, I, uh, it's interesting what you said about the principal because she's, that character is allowed to be flawed so much in like our professional careers. Like we are expected to be absolutely perfect. Know what you know. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that three, you gotta be three times as good. So <sighs> yeah, it's just, mm. it's very refreshing to see. Um, yeah, do you feel that's something also that is changing? I'm sure you probably work with, cor- uh, with corporations to help talk to them about colorism. Mm. In the past two years, do you think that that is something that's also changing?
21: I find it. I find it um, encouraging that so many companies do reach out and want to bring colorism to their employees. And I will say, most of the times when people are contacting me, it's not coming from like top level management in the company. It's usually from employees who are like, oh, yeah, we saw your work. Or, oh, we want somebody to talk about this. And so we're going to bring it to your company. But sometimes, like, top-level executives might be on the event, might be joining the Most of them are virtual. They might be, like, on the session listening. But I do think that that's encouraging because I'm sure prior to 2020, like, they would have been like, colorism, like, what? What y'all talking about? Like, we barely figured out race. And so I like that. And it's been, I think there still needs to be more though, because usually that's the first time they've talked about colorism. And it's usually just like colorism one-on-one, what is it? And so I think going forward, a lot of companies and businesses will have to get beyond like, okay, now it's great. You have that awareness. You at least are able to know it and identify it. But now let's look at some of your company policies and like workplace practices and look at your hiring Patterns and trends and like, is there actual equity amongst people of different skin tones and that sort of thing? So I think that would be a next step. But it is it is great, a great step that people are at least making themselves aware. And I, I think that's an important first step.
16: Okay. And I think, I think we have a long way to go in that aspect. So we do have to wrap it up. I won't take up too much of your time. Is there anything else that you would like to say um, to, to the listeners about what you do and how they can find you and also about healing? Yeah.
21: Yeah. Um, about what I do. So <clears throat> my platform is colorism healing and you can find me on any platform place on the internet my website colorismhealing.com and just about every social media platform And I use that as a space to raise awareness about colorism. And for people who want to go beyond just the informational content and sometimes entertaining content, you can work with me either by hiring me to speak at your company, for example. But I also do coaching, small group coaching, one-on-one coaching with people who want more hands-on support in their healing journey. And so to that, what I would encourage anyone listening to do is to Self reflect, and before we can figure out how to solve a problem, we have to understand where we are now, right? So, a lot of people ask for a plan like, what's the plan from here? And so, whether you're a company, a business, a parent, a teacher, or just an individual who wants to heal, the first step is to see where you are now and why you got there. And so, if you are lacking self confidence, if you don't love your own skin tone, you know, know that. Know where you are and consider, you know, well, what about my life? Has Thank you guys so much point. for listening to the podcast you can decide, today. You can see better
16: I know that you roll probably roll took some them. gems from myself and from Dr. Webb. Remember, if you want to reach out to her, contact her at colorismhealing.com or colorismhealing anywhere on social media. Remember, if you enjoyed today's podcast, it would mean so much to me and the team if you left us a five-star rating on iTunes or... If you let us know what you think via email, the email address is contactteaforthequeen at gmail.com. Or you can just reach out to us at the website, tforthequeen.com. Thank you guys for listening today. My name is Sierra Burns. I have been your host. Stay woke, stay well, and stay thriving.
19: If you want to build more sustainable eating habits, Noom Weight can help. Our program uses psychology to empower you with the practical knowledge and skills you need to build long-lasting habits and behaviors. Our personalized courses use scientifically proven principles like cognitive behavioral therapy to help you better understand and manage your relationship with food, one meal at a time. So, whether your goal is to feel more energized, boost your mood, or improve your stress levels, Noom can provide you with the expert guidance and tools to make it happen. Best of all, you're in charge of how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 5, 10, or 15 minutes. How much time you want to spend on your program is up to you. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat either, because we don't believe in good or bad foods. Instead, we'll provide you the support and wisdom you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle and health goals. Start your trial at noom.com habit. That's noo slash habit
14: This show would not be possible without the support of our
22: listeners, patrons, and sponsors. If you'd like to find out more about supporting the 3-Bit Gamer Show, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com 3BG. And a major shout-out goes out to our boss-level patrons, Christopher, Patrick, and Skyler.
20: Hey there, listeners. Are you obsessed with the 3-Bit Gamer Show? You know I am. That's why I'm a patron. <laughs> patron? That's for people who love the show. I'm talking about obsessed. Like that guy who sent JD a lock of
22: his
23: hair. Hey, I thought you said you were going to mention that.
20: Exactly. Well, if you're positively obsessed with the 3-Bit Gamer Show, then Rejoice. Because we are
22: officially opening franchising opportunities for 3-Bit Gamer Show fans. Tell me more. It's simple. Every franchisee gets one 3-Bit kit, complete with pre-programmed fart noise generator, a Zencaster login, and training by Peterson on how to steal sounds from YouTube to make audio clips. But
20: none of our listeners. Go get your own. And be sure to send some our way. So how much does it cost to get started? Buddy,
23: if you have to ask, you can't afford it. You've just logged into the 3-bit gamer show Tallahassee. Welcome to the 3-bit gamer show. I'm JD.
15: This is Peterson. This is Trent.
23: And I feel like I always forget that writing like optimistic hopeful. Voice roles for Trent is my favorite thing. <laughs> Nothing is better than Trent's like optimistic child voice. It's yeah. just so sweet and pure. Live from the Three Bit Gamer Show, the news. <laughs> all right, our news this week, as with all weeks, is brought to us by Crave Cookies. Crave Curve Curve Cookies. Uh Crave Cookies is this awesome cookie shop that is soon to be spanning coast to coast. Fuck the Wasatch frontline. <laughs> that ship has sailed, folks. Uh, apparently Trends Eye in Florida. So um any of our Tallahassee listeners out there. Straight it's not from be Tallahassee. Nasty. <laughs> Calla nasty. Hella nasty. Guys, go to cravecookies.com and uh you can check out the cookies of the week. And I have to always, always pat myself on the back for the the my personal favorite, one of my one of my creations, the Rockefeller, which the is Rockefeller. the rock star that you just stuff a hundred grand bar into the middle
15: of and then cover it in caramel and then you covered you. in caramel oh and there's salt is there salt on the rock star as well <laughs> there's sea salt on it too yeah
23: oh all right yeah so yeah that's the uh so rock star that the rockefeller is just oh my god it's so decadent they've also got the uh peanut butter brookie and the banana cream pie so get on down to crave cookies and a you cookie on gabe newell has been hand delivering steam decks in seattle <laughs> Guys, the the first part of the headline on this
15: kills me because it dude. says he's delivering Steam Decks in Seattle. Even some fans who didn't order the handheld. I just imagine Gabe, Gabe Newell just showing up to random people's houses just, and being like, here, I got you this.
23: Dude, I picture him just looking up random Steam accounts and he's like, oh, where's this guy live? He's like, ah, oh, you know, he won't mind if, if I show up at his house with, it, with the Steam Deck. I'm Gabe Deck Newell. Account. Dude, this story is so funny. Uh, one of these, this is, like, posted on Reddit, of course. This is where a lot of these surfaced. But, like, one of these, this guy got this, like, he said it looked like a sketchy email from Steam. He's, like, it, or from Valve or whatever. He's, like, it looks so sketchy. So I Like, one of
22: the ones they warn you about to, yeah. like
23: exactly don't Give
22: your passport out to anyone but it's asking for your home address instead. But it was
23: like no it's like <laughs> just expect a special delivery today and he's like all right so he gave his wife a heads up and went out for have a ski day and Gabe Newell shows up at the front door he's like hey is Mike here and she's like no who are you get the fuck off my lawn he's like what are you doing here and he's like oh I just have this package for him she's like thanks because if you guys don't know Gabe Newell is kind of a bigger dude uh, with like a big bushy white beard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was and wearing, wearing a mask. A he was wearing and a, a mask, mask and a hat. Mm-hmm. And so like, this could be any random fucking dude that just wandered off the street, uh, handing you a box and you're like, thanks yeah. guy. So he gets home from the ski trip and he's like, oh my God, I'm the worst. He's like, this guy was, this is so crazy to me. The other, another one I was reading about is he delivered it to a house. And I guess like a couple of the guys came running out of the house like, oh, my God, it's Gabe Newell, which I'm sure he thought was within the realm of possibility because he's like, how many guys live here? Because they, he was delivering one and they're like, oh, there's like five of us or whatever. He goes back to his truck and he comes back with like five more steam decks. Wow. And he signed all of these. And he's like, here you guys go. I don't know, man. I I really like Gabe Newell. <laughs>
6: this is everyone like, has, hilarious has and for, weird
23: for so long. Cause he's always been like the good guy of the gaming industry. I think he got his start at like Microsoft and then he spun valve off of that. But I think he's always kind of had this, this hands off approach to management and everything, um, which has led, you know, a lot of like creative, like awesome things to come out of his company. Uh, but I also really appreciate, I think his new approach that he's, he's taken. And I think what well, was a couple years ago we covered where he's like, I think we're going to start doing stuff. He's like, let's start doing stuff again. And I think he wanted to see more of an impact on the gaming industry. And this is like a very, very clear sign of that is he's willing to to do this to like I you never see a gaming CEO do this. And he is not doing this as a stunt. This wasn't I, I mean, he may have been I think there were may have been like cameras involved, but I don't think it was like good guy. Gabe goes out and does this. I think he just did it because he wanted to. He's just having fun, right? He's look when you're as rich as
22: Gabe Newell, uh, you need to think of fun things to do. Uh, some people build rocket ships. Uh, Gabe Newell
23: hand delivers steam. No, cool product. To, to like super fans, because I think that's kind of what he was just distinguishing. Kind of I don't know, man. I, you got you got some free time. You either write a whole new book in your free time out of nowhere or you deliver your steam decks around. Don't bite, Peterson. Don't bite. Oh, no. we're talking about this later. <laughs> Valve is already working on the steam deck, too. So you can go ahead and throw away your steam
22: decks this is the steam deck number two not the steam deck as well <laughs> this is the steam deck part 2 2.0 <laughs> uh <laughs> they look, look they learned a few things
6: <laughs> they,
22: have you read reviews for the steam deck uh I've, I've heard mixed it's it is so what I've read so far is like Man, I love my Steam Deck because I get to play these games, and I I love it so much, but man, it is the buggiest mess I've ever dealt with in my whole life. I'm talking, like, uh, experience-breaking bugs. Yeah. Because people, it's, like, crashing mid-thing. Sometimes it won't open the game. Sometimes it'll just shut your game down. Sometimes mid-game, it decides it needs an update of the software or the game or whatever so it'll just start updating whatever game you're playing mid-game uh it's pretty wild the software bugs that i've seen and i have read that uh they are like regularly fixing these bugs but uh the other thing is it's so loud The fans are like twin turbo engines (laughs) just going nuts. It's like you better use headphones. Everyone has mentioned like, yeah, it's distractingly loud. Yeah, but they work because my Steam Deck isn't getting hot. So they got a lot of bugs to work out. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they're like, okay, we did it. Now let's let's make the good one now.
23: Yeah. And we talk about this all the time that like you can test a product all you want. But when you set it in the first day that it's released, it's going to have more, quote unquote, testing done to it than you could possibly afford in its entire development lifecycle, uh, especially with a product like this, where you get a couple of tens of thousands of people and they're all experiencing different things, running your tens of thousands of games that are available on it that you didn't have time to test. So uh, I think uh, they were looking at they were talking about um in this article, and this is, you know, I was was definitely uh, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. They're not developing the Steam Deck 2 um, as much as they're discussing it and they're talking about and thinking about um, an improvement. So...
22: No, Gabe's Gabe's over there in the shop putting together Steam
23: Deck 2s. I think it feels... To me, if this feels better than, you know, when they keep releasing iterative iPhones and it's like, you guys aren't doing anything. This seems like they're really using the the first one and planning on building a second one. Whereas if you remember, you know, Steam is definitely Valve has, has dabbled in hardware before and it's never been successful. But the Steam controller, for example, a lot of people liked because it had like a touchpad and yeah. a joystick and all this shit. Um, But they kind of like that was it. And some people still love the thing, but they never released a second one. They never iterated on it. They didn't really build off of it. Whereas with this, they seem very committed to it. I mean, you got Gabe delivering them. And so I think this is a really cool investment. Um, And I'm really looking forward to. I think a lot of people are at this point are going to be like the second one. That's going to be the money one. That's what that's going
22: to be the one.
23: Yeah. Yep. Okay, fine. We'll talk about the newly announced Pokemon games. Look, folks, uh it's midweek madness again. We gotta have another midweek madness because I'm heading out of town. So yep. we are recording to two, Alaska two days after the last episode. So the two news days, is a little Tuesday. thin. There's five out of seven stories or just the the Steam, or just Steam. Most of those are Steam Deck. So it's just a Steam Deck episode.
15: But this story's not.
23: But this story is Pokemon. Guys, we're reaching uh usually we didn't go i don't think we covered the announce of the last pokemon game but this one uh what are they called Trent? what are these new ones it's like scarlet and violet scarlet and violet they went back to colors but two colors starters
15: are so cute
23: honestly could not pick out of a lineup if you had a gun to my head so great pick on that guys thanks scarlet and violet i think they're shades of red that's that's where I I, I assume the whoever it's, was it's holding the like, gun. To my it's head was like
15: purplish trigger. red and reddish purple.
23: Oh, cool! Shades of red. So maybe I got <laughs> my life spared. Now, if anyway, so these are uh, the the latest mainline Pokemon games, and I don't know about you, Trent, because I didn't play. I don't know the last time you played a mainline Pokemon game, other than because the last one I did was like Let's Go Eevee, which was just a remake of I, the original. I
15: played. What well, what was the newest one? Uh there was like shortens Shield. Sword and Sword Shield. Sword and Shield. I played like a few hours of it.
23: it was so fun. Sword and Shield, if I remember correctly, went back to like the old like it, it reverted back it, it it didn't build that much off of uh off like of let's, let's go, go Eevee. Yeah. yeah
22: no but
23: no then, yeah IB then Arceus kind of built off of it again. Yeah so Arceus this builds off of Arceus and this is supposed to be an open world so it's kind of weird that they've low key kind of like Sl- slowly built up into the open world style Pokemon game that everyone's wanted for like 20 fucking years. And it's so kind of muted. Like, it's just like, Oh, here's the thing you wanted forever. And we finally, I'm, I think I'm got it tweaked right on
15: it. Honestly, that's the <clears throat> thing. Like I, li- I haven't played a ton of the Arceus one and it's, it's, it's fun, but I, I hate the like hub of just going back
23: to the same place for quests in a Pokemon style game. So but... this one, they, they said that it, the towns are supposed to blend in seamlessly with the environment. In Rcsr, there are towns, and then like places. There's like towns, and then you like go out of the towns into like open world areas. And then and then you get into the next town in the same direction. I believe so. Yeah, I have not put much time into it. I've just played like the first four hours. Mm. But well, I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope it gets good reviews. I hope people are like, oh, this one's actually really dope. I have um, to because, because
15: you can be a fire crocodile Pokemon for your starter. So. Dude,
23: I love the nicknames that people on the internet gave to the three starters. That w- Just based on the pictures, there was Fire Apple, Weed Cat, and Donald Duck. Fire Apple is very accurate. Fire Apple <laughs> killed me. It is extraordinarily accurate. Fire. The, one of these starters honestly looks like a cartoon apple with a quarter out of it. And it's like a tail, and it it the 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 quarter out of it actually makes eyes out of the two out of like two seeds, two apple seeds, and it is the cutest fucking thing you've ever seen. It's, so it's got cute. a little, it's got a little stem. So uh, yeah, I I love that, and I don't know. I I hope these work out. Did do you know, Trent? Do you know when these come out? I have no idea. I'm I'm reading through right now, but I think they're uh, supposed to come 2022. out 2022 this year. Yeah, yeah, so that might be. That might be cool. That might be something it, it would be nice for me because Arceus didn't do it for me. I wasn't super intrigued <laughs> by that because mm-hmm. um, I didn't want like a Zelda Pokemon game. Like I want a fucking Pokemon game. Yeah. Uh, So I think that this may be it. And then worst case scenario, I get to play with Fire Apple. <laughs> Valve has no plans for a Steam Pass, but would help Microsoft put Game Pass on Steam.
15: That would be interesting. I feel like their library is just too big. You couldn't really
22: do
23: a Steam Pass.
14: Yeah, There's it would too be much...
22: it would be wild
23: or it would be uh, super limited. Well, and the and the games that studios would kill to be on it. I think I think that would be crazy. So this is this is kind of interesting. Um, in light of an announcement just three days ago that Bethesda, I we didn't cover this because it was so small because Bethesda had their own launcher and I didn't even know that. So that's why I didn't even bother to bring this up. But Bethesda was announced that they're dropping their launcher and they are going to release everything on Steam moving forward. You guys remember Bethesda was acquired by Microsoft. So this is kind of a signal instead of them being like, we're going to migrate everything over to the Xbox launcher. It's a signal like, well, uh, I mean, they may have just, they may be our new corporate overlords, but I mean, come on, the Xbox launcher. Are you sure? Look, you want to make money on your PC games, put them on
22: Steam. Like, I, I didn't even know there was a Bethesda launcher either.
23: <laughs> That's so wild to me. Like, who like, was using
22: that? Once you mention it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I kind of remember that. What but was it? Did it have a name?
23: Bethesda. I think it just says, I
22: don't know. I think it just says Bethesda. That's even worse. Because, like,
23: EA's got EA Origins and then Uplay and and uh, Epic Game Store whatever but just to have it called Bethesda is pretty gnarly. Um, So this is something, this is a quote. This was an interview uh, that Gabe Newell did with someone, PC gamer possibly. And he said, uh, I don't think it's something that we think we need to do ourselves. He's referring to making uh, steam pass, building a subscription service at this time, but for their customers, valve wasn't prepared to ship multiple. Oh, wow. That's a different quote. (laughs) (laughs)
22: jd's just skipping around still a good quote
23: he had like a dot 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 in his sentence oh my god i don't know how i got two different quotes long story short uh gabe newell was like hey that's not something we're we're interested in doing the doing a steam pass but dude if microsoft wants to do that like we'll help him do it we don't care i just think i think it was so funny that he was just like yeah yeah if if your customers want it we'll figure out we'll make it happen yeah it seems so, like a lot of work um that steam
22: probably doesn't is not interested in getting into you know what i mean
23: but like he said they're happy to put xbox game pass on steam yeah. and if game pass is on steam and you don't have to use the the game pass launcher dude i don't like it i really don't and i know it's I integrated either. in windows 10 and everything and it's still kind of a pain in my ass and if i could just have steam and i'm not even really that Like, I care, like, how many launchers I use. That's not the problem. It's just, like, it's just kind of a...
15: It's a really bad one. It's not... It's... I hate trying to find new things on there. Like, just the search functionality is awful.
23: Yeah, this... Oh, it's terrible. And if they could definitely... And not to say, you know, Steam is a a beacon of, like, great searching. But if they could crib off of Steam's uh, existing platform, which everyone at least knows how to use... At least Steam
22: has, like, a a decent search function, whereas the Epic Game Store still does not. Like, if you don't know what you want, you're (laughs) not going to find it. They're like, you don't need to
23: search. There's only, like, 100 games on here. Just scroll through all of them. And you own them all because we gave them to you for free. Every one you own already, so whatever. Who cares? (laughs) What are you searching for? Just play Fortnite, you dumb dumb. (laughs) In a move that doesn't really help, Peterson, Valve has revealed the Steam Deck is named after a skateboard deck. Don't try to walk it back, Valve. We know what it's based off of. Dude, it's based so off of a deuce. <laughs> it is based off of a deuce, and this is going to make it worse. Because I, I was like, should I tell these guys before the episode? And I was like, I should probably, I should probably talk about this with them. And then I forgot, so we're just going to do it live on air. One of the uh, Steam Deck's product project leads. uh, His name is Greg Coomer. Uh, This is the guy who did an interview with Axios in which Coomer revealed that the uh, this is an allusion to the form factor. And he's like, yeah, it suggests this the name deck suggests skateboarding, sci-fi slang and other things, other things, valve people like. Mm -mm. Um, Mm -mm. Valve people. So. I got to say, Coomer, you guys, have you guys heard that term in Internet slang, I, I have and I can't me. remember what it meant. Coomer is is you, a you is Internet like, slang for a compulsive masturbator. <laughs> so we've got Greg Coomer here explaining the deck to us and things are starting to make sense. Yeah, no yeah, We are just a lot. La- it's just a general lack of awareness
22: and <laughs> you can't blame anyone for that. Oh my gosh! It, wait, where, how do you spell his last name? Is it spelled the same way? C
23: O O M E R. Yeah, there's even like a there's like a comic version of this guy. Oh no, named like a Coomer. Uh, there it is. I see it now. Yeah, sorry. It's usually Gray. thrown around on like Reddit when someone jumps in and they're like, I recognize this particular porn actress from like a, a like a half of a still that's just like randomly <laughs> part of a meme, and you're like, all right, Coomer.
14: All right, right, buddy. Take it easy.
23: We know, you know, you don't need to tell us. (laughs) It must have been real hard to type that message with one hand. (laughs) The live action Twisted Metal series is going to be on Peacock. is the Anthony Mackie series we talked about. That's being the showrunners, the guy from showrunner from Cobra Kai. So it's it's hitting on all of Peterson's (laughs) points. Um, Mm, There's one thing that it's not, though. Uh, I, written I by like Brandon it. Sanderson. No, <laughs> <laughs> wait,
22: what? Um, I don't, listen, it's, case. this is a weird thing.
23: This <laughs> you happened? literally like stopped like that, like completely fucked with your brain hearing his name. Like you are so addicted to Brandon. Sanderson.
22: <laughs> Will you please stop saying it? I have to look up pictures of it. It's now. like hold when on. I say,
23: "Do you want to go for a walk to my dogs?" Like that's how you respond to hearing. What? His
22: what? Name. Wait, wait, hold on. What? What? I wasn't paying attention, <laughs> oh but I heard it.
23: I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. Stop. What is the saying one thing it. it's missing?
22: No, the one thing that it has that I don't like is Anthony Mackie. Okay, look, and it's no nothing other than it's just this weird thing. You know, how every now and then you see somebody and you just hate their face. That's Anthony That's
23: Mackie Anthony for Mackie. me. Oh, you hate Anthony Mackie's face? I can't look at him. It's so I don't He's know. He's kind of got like is. an alien face.
15: <laughs> it's it's more just he has this weird like pursed lip look in that
22: picture that drives me nuts. Well, all of like I can look up any Mackie picture like because you see him in the MCU, and like it's like his jaw is not. Oh, he there. has that in. Dude, every you know what I think picture. it is? Never no. mind.
23: I think it's that you saw um, Eight Mile a million years ago <laughs> and you it's, just, it's and it burned in your head he was Doc the antagonist in that and you're your just brain. like that's it. You typecasted Anthony Mackie as the uh, the dickhead antagonist from from uh, Eight Mile. I don't know, man. I just don't like his face, and you just hate him forever. I just hate his face. I hate his face. Well, hate his dude, face. Probably not. Is gonna there something
22: him? I can do to make it better? Or... Do we know
23: what is he playing? Like the clown or something? Like what? What role is he playing? Is he just like a robot? Some or kind a car? of alien? He's an alien. He's good fit.
22: That fits because his face is. Ch- anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just Anthony Mackey, I'm sorry.
23: <laughs> I, you're a great guy. I'm sure you're a good actor. I hate your face, but you're a good actor. So do you like when he plays Hawkeye or yeah, when he plays Hawk, Captain America, do you like when he plays uh, the Falcon or Captain America when he has something over his like face when he has like a mask on? You're like, yeah, oh, he does all right when, when his face mask. is covered <laughs> when, when I don't have to look at him. I love it. Peterson <laughs> would be the guy in like the Marvel universe. So when he's like finds out his secret identity, he's like, oh, no, nah, just keep the keep keep that one. I don't want to see your secret identity. Actually, I hate it. You're hideous.
22: You know what? No one should ever know this because you,
23: man. Wow. Uh, This turned into a, this took a weird direction. Sorry Um, Sorry
22: for the Mackie
23: fans. I came into this expecting to lambast Peacock Mm. and you just totally, totally took that (laughs) away from me. You you took the wind out of my sails. I think Peacock is the shittiest thing. You guys, it has the office. That's it. That's it. That that's is it. literally <laughs> it. They stole the office from Netflix and they're like, that's going to be enough. I uh, I'm not even paying for it. Like I'm using my dad's login and I was like going through it with Jenna. And I'm like, how can you this is like not even li- looking a gift horse in the mouth. It's just like it's just openly shit. Yeah. You have to fucking watch ads on this, guys, for a paid service. They just, so they're like they just they're trying introduced to introduced skip...
15: the ability to skip the intro on episodes. Like that's like a recent addition.
23: Dude. It's so half-assed. They've still got ads, and they're like you said, missing features. It's like they're just trying to like speed run to cable. They're like, let's just get this back to cable again. Where we have a ton there. of ads. Everything don't shitty, even have to like go to it on your browser. You can just plug it into your TV, and it's just right there. Your cable, and and we're getting nonstop money for doing we'll give you this bare special fucking minimum. Box. Because Peacock is acting like no other streaming service in that they are putting next to no fucking effort into actually getting original content. They just were like, we'll just take The Office and build around that so slowly that I think they're going to lose all their fucking subscribers and take the service. It is unbelievable how shitty this thing is. And anyway, oh, I hope
22: they do, because I haven't watched The Office since it went
23: there. I have Peacock, and I don't want to watch The Office on it because I'm like... Eh,
15: like, occasionally they uh, add Peacock? those bonus material episodes
23: that it's worth having for, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. so they will have this I will watch Twisted Metal on this I guess, because I gotta watch something on it, I gotta watch the, the Olympics on it it's like a 50 minute clip it's like 40 minutes of ads what is this?
20: in a world where the ultimate combat takes place on four wheels Have you ever seen your parents mowed down by an ice cream truck clown car thing? Because I have. And the word is that he's back. Sweet Tooth is back. Only one man and one car has a chance to end the reign of terror. Sweet Tooth is on a rampage! Is there nobody who can help? What about Triple (laughs) A? Not now, Jeff! This is serious! I don't know about Triple A, but I can give you at least one A. I'm Agent Stone. And I'm gonna stop Sweet Tooth. Hello, Agent Stone. I've been hoping to run into you. (laughs) Next summer, probably. Hold on to your lug nuts, because this will be the ultimate turbocharged collision of cars and people and people that fight in cars. I don't think I can stop Sweet Tooth. He's not sweet at all. He's actually super mean. Of course you can stop him. Now take my rockets and hit the knot.
14: right!
20: Featuring Marshall Mathers, Mike Tyson, Joe Rogan, and Jake Paul. The world is made of gasoline stone. I am the catalyst. Don't get your panties all twisted in a metal bunch. Twisted Metal, the movie. This summer depending on how this trailer is received.
14: Kudos. Kudos.
23: Kudos. All right. Kudos is our positivity segment. We like to give a shout out to something we like, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but I'm giving kudos to space flavored Coke. That's right. And if you haven't seen this, you're like, what the fuck is JD smoking? Um, it's real. It's not it's, fake. It's called it, space
22: flavored Coke. Like that. Ever. That's we were talking about this before the episode. Like, I don't think I would have bought it, or I would have been interested mm-hmm. if it had said the actual flavor on it. But it says marshmallow space flavored. Which you and you're like, well, buy. I have to buy that.
23: I'll buy anything that's like unicorn, space, rainbow. I don't fucking care. You're you like, got a I weird, the name. What it is now i need to splash that on my time dude more often than not i regret it there was some weird like unicorn drink at target jenna and i got and oh yeah oh it tasted like
22: unicorn bang or whatever that's just awful they usually name it that way to try to avoid something uh like space flavored coke did because it Mm. like you said it's marshmallow which is weird i mean it's weird but i
23: fucking love it i don't mind
22: it at all i'll sit there and drink one
23: yeah, Have I've you had it had over through... ice yet? Uh, I want, want you think to try it over ice and get back. I can't me. remember because I was like, it was okay. I had it in a glass, but then I put it over ice and I was like,
22: it's yeah, like... I like, I like the, the float idea that Peterson had. Kay. Okay. I'm going to try it that way. Listen, listen, guys, go get, we're going to find, you got to find it. Cause it's, you know, graham cracker ice cream. Mm hmm. Pour the space Coke on it, so it's yeah. marshmallow flavored Coke, and then just do a nice uh, chocolate sauce drizzle on the top. Or you it's could like just get s'more. S-
23: Could you just get s'mores ice cream and do the same thing?
22: No no, 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 no. I mean, you could, but you need to make the s'more, JD. It's like oh. put the chocolate on the mallow, right? Put the m- yeah. Like you got to do it the right way.
23: Yeah. Okay. So um,
22: we're gonna that's try that. That's one way to week. do it. It yeah. is okay what well, give me another way to eat, drink it then jd besides on ice i get a glass any particular I put some kind of ice water or just
23: it. like cubes and then i pour the pour the soda over it you could i don't do know cubed ice you could do crushed ice here's the thing <laughs> any trent probably back me up on this if you have a soda that's too sweet and you put it over ice that usually helps orange like quite soda a bit.
15: is infinitely better over ice this is uh, this the this. perfect over ice drink. That lemonade. I do yeah. not like orange soda. So that's interesting. Yeah, but I orange soda out of a can is very strong. But over ice, it's really good. And it doesn't think, like water it down. It's that's just, why I think
23: people dislike this. It's too strong. It comes on way too strong. But you water it down a little bit with ice. Have I told you guys this
22: is a quick aside why I'm not a fan of orange soda? No. I used to get it. The only time I would get it as a kid. Was after soccer games. This is in Las Vegas, in the summertime heat. After a soccer game,
23: or oh, wait, I'm and sorry. it
22: was soda. What yeah. fucking parent not was Tang, not tang. soda to your so, soccer games? Grape soda, orange soda. This is, <laughs> and you get a lukewarm orange soda post soccer game. That is the.
23: Worst thing I in Vegas
22: in the nice one hundred and fifteen degree Vegas, in, Vegas heat,
23: and your can a metal that. fucking can is what I need.
22: Yeah, no, it is. There's some warm <laughs> bubbles. So I can't drink orange soda now without like having that like memory, oh. like it's linked in my brain forever. That's fair. So I, I fr- like orange that, soda, that, soda that I little, is like just Ugh. weird events. Just so you
23: didn't get it. orange slices either. The parents probably no
22: time You get orange slices halftime. Yeah. Orange slices. Oh, okay. You End of get, game. You orange didn't get like
23: the, uh, those little like orange candies, those orange slice candies. Are you sure you weren't <laughs> getting those? Because it sounds yeah. like you may have been getting those and you don't know what an actual orange slice <laughs> is.
22: No, I've had oranges since and they're really gross because they don't have like sugar and they're you not know, chewy. The sugar
20: dusted
23: on them. And he's like, what is this? Ew, what is this thing? It's wrapped in. <laughs>
20: I have to
22: peel it.
23: Why it's is the so disgusting. So, why where's is the, the wrapper
22: so hard?
23: Where's the tab? What? I the have fuck? an honest
15: confession. I've never <laughs> taken a bite out of an orange in my entire life.
23: Why? Because
15: the texture, that leathery texture, when you crack that thing open, wigs me out so bad. I just can't do it.
22: You mean like an actual piece of an orange? <laughs> I've or? never
15: eaten a piece of an orange. That doesn't surprise juice. me.
23: That what? doesn't surprise me. Dude, I eat
15: has on the texture daily. Issues. Dude, I, those things are so weird <laughs> to me. It's just like you're taking a bite out of leather.
23: How do I we don't either? usually chew and swallow the orange segment What? because I'll just like suck out all the juice and like just, I don't know, spit it out like a hick. You don't want I to don't
15: have know. like a person's skin sitting in your stomach. like exactly. That's the it's texture so it feels
22: s- like. Skin, Guys, but... it is not like
23: skin. What
15: are
22: you eating? An orange. God, feels like... Well, I'm not eating it to be no, clear. No, I'm not eating orange <laughs> skin. That's what. I don't understand what's happening. They're too chewy. I have eaten an orange every day this week and because they're really good right now for some reason uh <laughs> and uh, dude this is mind-boggling to me I
23: i'm love sorry them. i'm back to peterson <laughs> eating an entire bag of orange slices every day and judging us <laughs> <laughs>
15: He's just He's like, like got a grocery sack on So full of unhealthy. I mean sugar fruit orange
23: all the time. Yeah.
14: <laughs>
15: just keeps a bowl of sugar next to him on the couch. Just yeah. Dip it. <laughs> what brand of oranges
22: do you like the best? I like Brax.
23: Brax oranges are my favorite. Too. Although Trolley makes a pretty good orange. <laughs>
22: <laughs> I like peaches, but I only like the ones that come in rings. <laughs> Oh man, such a weird shape for a fruit, but I don't know. It just works.
23: Oh. Cans of soda, cans of soda after <laughs> yes. a fucking sock. <laughs> Did they give you pictures of beer at the pizza? Dude, parties? if it was
15: cold, if it was cold, I'd be fine with it. Like I'm guilty. I'll fill my water bottle up with like Dr Pepper and go to the gym. Not- Nothing's cold after <laughs>
23: <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Trent, you are an adult. That is, your, that is your decision to make. Giving it to an adolescent <laughs> is like, here, have a can of pre-diabetes, young one. It's warm.
15: It's warm. <laughs> the warm is the best part. <laughs> You're going to hate so, it.
23: I was supposed to do a quick kudos. I'm so sorry. I, it of into an orange slice. <laughs> tangent. I don't know um, how we got there. Peter said, did you want to give a kudos to this fish?
22: It, yeah. So real quick. This is a quick. This is a quick kudos. I have been getting way into uh, the fish tank that I got my son for Christmas. I it's like my fish tank now. I am. I've spent so much money on it, but I found this.
23: That kid I found, can't afford a fish tank.
22: He's a kid. Yeah. He. He's, gosh, get out of here. These are my <laughs> fish now. Um. So I found a website, KG Tropicals. KG Tropicals. They and what they had is what I was looking for. Don't make fun of me, is I needed a good piece of driftwood, real driftwood, not fake stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I ordered it from them. And just because I just ordered one small piece of driftwood. I needed it because it I don't know, whatever. Um, but they sent me the driftwood and they sent me two pieces. Because la They were like, you know what? We had this one piece that we didn't think was interesting. So we sent you two pieces so you could make something cool looking out of it, which we this did, is, like made a little tunnel. This is I like love when it.
23: Trent got two Xboxes from Amazon. It is it is
22: like that, but best, it wasn't man. an accident. It was on purpose. <laughs> and uh, it's just driftwood. It's not a <laughs> full <laughs> Xbox. Hey.
23: No, this is a score, dude. Don't Malaysian,
22: this, I, think, I think this sounds sweet. Malaysian driftwood. No, I just like these what? companies. I like these companies that do... Uh, you know, these little mom and pop shop types of things that just do something extra. Like when I ordered dice for my son's birthday from a local Utah company and they were like, oh, it's his birthday. Cool. And they sent him some extra dice just because like that's what this company did. They were like, oh, you know what? This piece isn't that cool. Let's send you a two so you can make something cool out of it. Yeah. And it's really great. It looks great in the tank. So KG Tropicals, I recommend them. And then, oh, gosh. Can I just JD? Can I just give some kudos to Brandon Sanderson again? This is only Dude, like the seventh or eighth is, time. I
23: want people to know what we, we've been alluding to because this blew my fucking mind. I did. I watched the first what thirty seconds of the video till like the the first initial yep. reveal this morning, and I was uh I was walking the dogs with Jenna, and I just literally burst out laughing. Like it was so funny to me. S- so set up the scene. Sanderson's a machine, but here's how it goes. Yesterday, he posts
22: a video. And he's like, it's short. And he's like, listen, uh, I need to come clean to you, uh, my fans, about my writing habits. You know, I think what God. I've been doing is not Such a uh, healthy. Uh, so we, I needed to take a look. I needed to take <laughs> a step back and look at what I'm doing and change some things for me. And so I'll let you guys know tomorrow. Very somber. And everyone's like, oh, great. So he's sick. He's dying. He's, a, he's dying. Because he's, he, he's pretty overweight. So, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> It's uh and so here we um, go. So he posts the video today, and I kid you not, I think seven people texted me about this because they know how much I love Sanderson and the Discord uh, channel, and the Discord like it was crazy. But he posts this video and he's like, All right, guys, it's same type of thing. starts very somber, and he's like, I've got something I've got to tell you. And he grabs a stack of papers and slams them on the table. He's like I wrote a secret book because he had extra time because he wasn't traveling in 2020 because he couldn't. He 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 just pulls out
23: this huge manuscript and and
22: drops it down. And then he's like talking some more and he's like, I wrote this for my wife. You know, I just, it was something I wanted to do. No one was expecting it. So I had a lot of fun doing it and I had so much fun that I, and he pulls out another one and slams it down. And he keeps doing that in this video. It's like 15 minutes long. He wrote five books, five secret books. That no publisher knew was happening. His team didn't know. He said he said he just left it on the table one morning and put a note on it that said, "Hey, here's some top like said top secret uh secret project or something." They had no idea. Like he already writes a lot of books. He didn't write less books. He just wrote five more. And the crazy part is, he was giddy about this. He was so happy.
23: Yeah, when you were like, he got to write more. When you were like, the second video started somber. That was not my read. The guy was was leaking just giddiness. The the, before he even pulled the thing out, I could tell he was it was not going to be like I'm dying, I had a stroke because he was just like fucking shaking, barely containing how stoked he was.
22: He was so happy to have been able to work more. Oh my god, when secret work, I was doing stuff no one expected. And oh my gosh, you guys, I wrote so many books, he's so happy anyway. So I got to give kudos to Sanderson, and he did a Kickstarter. Uh for all the books that were coming out in twenty twenty three. Five hundred dollars in so far. I don't want to say. Um he, the well, it's more embarrassing than
23: five hundred dollars, folks.
22: The Kickstarter is has made thirteen point seven million dollars.
23: Peterson was half of that.
22: Day one. This is day one. Guys, I sold my house. I am moving to Tallahassee uh
23: because it's pretty cheap there. No, oh, Tallahassee is super cheap. That's why it's where our first franchise is opening. Peterson is the first franchise. Spoiler. <laughs> Guys, I'm opening a new
22: I'm bored. starting my own show in Tallahassee. It's gonna be great. Uh, you'll love it. This is a Peterson Productions edit. As of time of editing, the Kickstarter is now at twenty-five point seven million dollars.
23: I have one also another kudos. Trent, do you have a kudos? I'm just enjoying listening to your kudos. Oh I got nothing. Sweet. Trent's kudos was for my kudos. Ugh. Um
15: and Peterson's kudos. Yeah. Really come on, don't everyone's kudos. <laughs> I got I, kudos for Bro, kudos. KG
22: Tropicals.
23: It was so dope. Uh very quickly, I this is something that Jenna talked me into doing, and I was like, it worked. It ended up being really cool. Uh this is Partners Yoga. It's the same YouTube yoga yogi that I use that I've recommended. I think in the pastor name is Sarah Beth. So if you search like Sarah Beth's partner yoga, but honestly, if you just search for partners <laughs> yoga, I'm sure it's all going to be the same kind of deal. This one in particular was really great. And it was I was like, what does that look like? Are we going to be like pretzeling all over each other? No, it's basically like half of it is just like sitting back to back and doing like certain stretches like that, like back bends and reaching over and reaching around each other and stuff. But I, Jenna and I did it tonight and it was like really helpful like you could like lean into each other's stretches and, be, and like be like oh that one feels really good and like i don't know it was kind of a weird thing um for how awesome it was but like just for I, and it doesn't have to be like your partner it could be a buddy or anything it, it's not like that uncomfortable uh at all and it's just like kind of a cool uh i haven't had someone help me stretch since like high school in mean, like football right when you'd have like people or like f- team sports in track and stuff too. People would like kind of help you stretch your legs out and stuff like that. So this is the first time in 20 plus years that I've had that happen and it was awesome. So um try out partners yoga. If you guys there's short ones, this one was only, I think like 20 minutes long or something. So hey, give it a try, bro. Stretch next time,
22: next time I see you in person, I'll help you stretch. Okay.
23: I would stretch with you, but I'd feel bad for you the whole time because I know how 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 little your body moves in certain directions. <laughs>
22: it does not. I am not bendy.
23: Yeah, no. And she has you like sit cross-legged and then switch your cross-legged. I guess that would nope. hurt my I knees. I only so have bad. one
15: way of cross-legged. Yeah, that was weird way. to
23: me. I was like, "This is news." Same with folding your arms. There's just the one, and then the other I one is you just end. like kind of awkwardly touching yourself before giving up. <laughs> Yeah, this doesn't work. I'm done. (laughs) Like, I I can't do this. I'm going to go back to the old fold. (laughs) The old fold.
7: Oh, my God. The first impression rose.
23: All right. First impression rose is when we take a game out and decide whether or not it impressed us. Um, And Trent is the only one among us who was brave enough to take out Lost Ark. Trace. what did you think of lost art tell us the, what this game is and why you're so obsessed with it how many hours are you put into it do you think
15: i right now have 36 hours in it
22: nice oh that's not bad so, that's, a, that's so a really you just good started <laughs> you just, you've been playing yeah, for three yeah,
15: days like i'm at i'm at the end game ish like the beginning of the end game is that but, normal
23: for mmos to um, get there that quick
15: yeah I, I mean it depends like a warcraft expansion you need to get there in like a day if you kind of like play through it this was it probably took me like a week to get there
23: oh okay so that's fair. um
15: so like at 20 hours i was at max level but it's lost Ark is kind of like a hybrid of two styles of games so imagine like diablo marrying world of warcraft in like the blizzard sense right so it's that it's like the isometric rpg action combat style of diablo where you have like Eight abilities basically. Um, and then you move by clicking. So it's not the WASD movement. Um mm-hmm. but it I went into it super hesitant because it's it's a Korean MMO. Most Korean MMOs are just like straight cash grabby nonsense. So cash grabby. Um and I've been watching this for a couple of years because it's I think it released like three years ago in Korea. Mm-hmm. So by the time it's releasing in the US, it has a leg up on most MMOs because it actually has content. Um, and the combat, honestly, is just a freaking blast, dude. Like it, the, all of the abilities I'm playing a sorcerer and all of the abilities just have these big, crazy animation. The combat's fun. Um, super, I don't, I, it's just super reminds me of the combat in Diablo when you get to a higher level, then each of the levels, it's nice leveling through this game because it's not like each level gets progressively longer. Each level takes the exact same amount of time to get through as the level before it. So it's really predictable to kind of figure out how long it's going to take you to get there. And then um, the end game activities, there's a bunch of stuff to do. So it's not like... The the part I hate the most about MMOs usually is you have to play through like 40, 50 hours of really easy content before you get to stuff that's actually enjoyable and difficult. This, you get to max level and it just kind of throws you in there. It's crazy hard, but... It's got like three different types of things, so it's not just grinding through dungeons. You, ha- I mean, it is, but there are different types of dungeons. So you have something called a chaos dungeon where it's just like hordes of monsters and your team has to survive the whole team. And if you do, you get a bunch of loot. It has the regular like five or four man dungeons where you're going to find a boss, and then it has something called a guardian raid that I've never seen in MMO before, where it kind of mimics a feature that Monster Hunter has, where When you're fighting this this boss, you have no idea how much health it has. You have no idea how long it's going to take you to kill. You're just fighting and waiting for it to go through different stages of mechanics. And eventually you'd figure out what to watch for and you kill it. But they're like 15 minute fights.
23: And this isn't all the fights or bosses. It's just this one It's just this one style of raid. Interesting
15: okay and so there's just all sorts of stuff to do at endgame and so i've been like like i said i'm like 40 or so hours into it and i have not even scratched the surface because once you get to level 50 is the cap right now you stop leveling through level and you start leveling through your item level or your gear score i'm at gear score like 400 right now i think it goes up to like 1500 so it's just there's tons of stuff to do so far I love it. Justin's way further into it than I am. I think he's probably clocked like 80 hours. My brother.
22: Wow. Oh shit. Um,
15: so it's as far as MMOs go, it's a nice just kind of breath of fresh air. It doesn't feel so samey, but it's still just as addictive. It's super fun. So I'm loving it.
23: Dude.
22: That's nice. dope. I, I did download it. So t- now I really
23: want to play. It's <laughs> free.
22: Yeah, it's free. Yeah.
23: So mm-hmm. like, I guess there's no and I like that that idea that you get through it super fast. I think one of the things that intimidates me about MMOs is you see these high hour counts uh, and you assume that's like how much you're going to need to put in to have fun. But like you can get to max level and start getting into that end game content. You're saying at like 30, 35 hours End game content like 20
15: hours. Really? Is when you can start doing some of that stuff. That is a pretty low barrier to get into
23: it. The more stuff gets added. But are like, you playing with with Justin most of the time with your brother, or are you playing solo, or with Annie, or what's um, the a little setup? bit
15: mostly with Justin? Annie's still leveling, kind of taking that whole thing slow.
23: Would it be cool but... to play solo?
15: Oh yeah, it'd be fun to play solo. But the end game stuff, I we mean, you
23: have to do it as a party for the most part. Okay, cool. I like that. Well, if Valheim hadn't just released an update, that might have been a, a possibility. But <laughs> Fortunately, there goes there goes two hundred hours that I have to now put into Valheim.
22: <laughs> I'll play Trent.
23: Shut up, Thanks, Peterson! Man. You have to play Valheim with me. JD's going to get so mad. How no, dare
20: you? You knew with that would me. make Dude. me mad. How dare you? He's got you, two
23: hands; he can
15: do both.
20: Yeah, we bit. Foodio Games. We got that serial fame
22: because you are saying our names. We in the studio playing some Foodio Games. Uh, that's right. It's Foodio Games.
20: Yeah, we playing Foodio Games.
23: All right, Foodio Games is this fun segment where we compare our two favorite things in the whole wide world, food and video games. And I think I was thinking about Desert Drinks Exotics. How did you come up with this
22: one? Okay.
23: maybe
15: what are you not thinking thinking. about desert drinks and exotics
23: never i'm literally mind a lot eating giant chewy skittles from the uk (laughs) the sour (laughs) right now (laughs) at this very moment so no i'm never not thinking about foreign treats um but yeah so this one i wanted to ask uh what is a unique foreign food you've had because you guys both are way into food and eating it in other countries and what game is that food or what thing or what game related thing is that food? You guys are two of my friends, I think, of, of all of my friends that have probably eaten the most foreign food. Oh, travel.
6: probably. That's You've done I a ton of friends. Trent's
23: done a bunch. Um. So, yeah, I think that may have been because I knew you guys would have some great ones for this. So I, so uh, I can kick it off if yeah, you want. Yeah, dude, let's hear all it. Right. What do you got?
22: Okay, so I had to I had to go with durian. <laughs> is you that the love fruit? bringing durian up, that freaking I, fruit. Here is the thing: I do like bringing it up because it's the it is probably the worst thing I've ever eaten.
14: <laughs>
23: you are so bitter about it,
22: and 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 the problem is people legitimately love it. So it's look. so stinky, durian. It looks like a booger it smells like gasoline Gasoline. it looks like crap it smells like crap
23: a gasoline booger tree
22: but people are like "Ooh, i like this so i'm gonna try it even though i know i'm looking at it and i'm like this looks disgusting it smells terrible but people are like enjoying it so i guess i gotta try it right dude there's one game that did that to me and guess what i hated it among us I've talked about this before, but Among Us is durian. There are Among people Us is a gasoline book who think it's so good, and I have I have tried it, and it sucks every time. I oh put God. durian in my mouth and dry heaved. I could I can't. It's so disgusting, and that's how I feel. Among Us is just so worthless and so gross, uh, and so Among Us is the durian of video games. What is the texture of durian? No, that's what it is. It's a booger. Dude. So, it's so slimy. No, so you get this oh, big thing. So JD, fuck. think- I like thought you were a... like
23: making fun of the the actual No, physical no, 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 no. You're two... telling me texturally it's a booger. So there's a
22: seed, a big like inch and a half to two inch long kind yeah. of a kind of football-shaped seed in there. Yeah. Surrounded by you think you think oranges have a gross texture and skin? Oh, no. Shit. Surrounded by a gloopy. So you put it in and you suck the meat off of the, off of the seed. Like that's how you eat it. You suck it off and it's like a booger. It's like sucking a giant booger off of a seed. Oh gosh. I'm like getting grossed out thinking about it. It's
23: terrible. I'm looking at the pictures of this and like, that makes me very upset. I don't know. Like yeah. This yeah, is super funny. I'm glad this is a perfect, this is a perfect one for this guys. Don't eat durian. Look, this you're going to be so tempted funny. to do it. Just don't. I'm tempted. You brought durian candy back. And it yeah, tasted like you said, like gasoline candy. And it yeah. was OK because I'm like, I'm in I'm in my safe space, which is candy in my mouth. Yeah, it's hard. It's sugary. And like, I know where where I'm at on that. If this was like you described, like a meaty boogery texture, plus that flavor, yeah. mm-hmm. like you said, I'd be dry even. You know, that it really is. It awful. is. It is repulsive. So, so that's among <laughs> us. That's among us. Uh, Trent, how about you? Okay, so I've got. Let's see. The first one I'll do is um,
15: the food would be katsudon as a meal I had in Japan, mm. and it's like they have similar stuff here. Where not wh- what's it called?
23: Katsudon. Katsudon.
15: D O N. So super simple. It's like the most common meal you find in literally like every restaurant there. Um, but the very first day we were there, I had one version of it in this just divey place by our hotel, and. It's basically what the dish is, is it's fried rice with an egg, onions, and a fried, like deep fried pork cutlet on top of it. But you just kind of mush it all together. And it just makes like just this crazy, weird, gooey fried rice tasting
22: dish. It's so delicious. (laughs) And I'm looking at pictures and I want this.
15: Dude, and I and I've chased that because they have put there's places here that have it, but it just does not taste the same. And my comparison for that is a game I played that I would say is probably like top 3 in my favorite gaming experiences ever, and I but I haven't been able to replicate it and it was such a short thing. And that would be Lone Echo VR on the uh Oculus. Mm. Oh. That game for me, just the the style of like that zero gravity gameplay in vr that just doesn't make you sick and it feels so realistic you're this robot just swinging through this abandoned spaceship i loved that game and i haven't been able to find anything that is like it at all and that's how i feel about this it made me like did it make me what did it make you feel like bionic commando Ooh, okay kinda that's a good one (laughs) that was that was a good one that's
23: a deep cut right
22: that is a deep cut I can't stop looking at pictures of katsu don. <laughs> Looks so good, dude! It is delicious. Oof.
15: And whenever I say it, people are like, "Oh, you mean katsu?" No, it's not. It's not well, it's, like chicken it's, katsu.
22: It's it's katsu, but, but, it's, but it's 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 the way it's like mixed together. It's pork katsu with something else with like the rest of the stuff. It's a different dish.
15: Oh, pork, cut-less. and the one I had, they like cracked the egg over the top of all of it before yeah. cooking it. It's so it was so great because it was this t- tiny little like corner dive restaurant and this whole bowl was like a dollar fifty.
22: Yeah,
23: of course. Oh, most delicious food you ever ate was just like oh, my God. some some random street food that you can never replicate.
22: Yep, dude, I've um, had I've had <clears> that experience <throat> like half a dozen times and I just you can't I can't even get back to it. I don't know what it is. Anyway, what do you got, JD? <laughs> I'm like, uh, my tapas. mouth's watering now.
23: <laughs> I know, this is going to kill you. They're all they're all so good. We didn't go with gross ones. Spanish tapas. Uh, spent some time in Spain, and that was one of my favorite things. It was just like, you could drop into any building, which they were all bars. Uh, any bar, any restaurant, any uh, train station, bus station, does not matter. There would be a glass uh, case with tapas in them. Mm-hmm. Little sandwiches, a little quiche, um, anything like a little a little dish, um, a little L- baked, little finger a little, pastry, foods. little finger food, some hamon. I don't know, dude. It was it was just so nice because you could always get, and once you started to figure out like what you really liked, you'd be like, oh, I want like I'm kind of hungry today, so I'm just gonna get like a ham sandwich. But um, and the, or you're like really hungry, so you get like the quiche sandwich or something different, or like a half a pizza or whatever. I don't know. So that was just, it just was, I don't know. And it, it was so fun to try different ones in every new bar. And you didn't eat. Sometimes you'd go into a bar and have a really good, uh, a really good tapas. Like you'd sit down and spend like 20 bucks, have a have a couple drinks and some tapas. And I, where I was like, I never find that bar again. I'd be like, <laughs> I remember that was, was that? ah, whatever. But we'll it just find good. another one. And they were just all good. And so for me, that is, um, I'd say kind of indie games in general, plus my rotation of regular indie games. So it's just like some of these games, just like with Tapas, like, I just want like a little one. And some of these I'm like, ah, I just want like a two-hour game, just like a, a little, a little dabble. Um, but then some are these these, these, these tapas that I, I had all the time, they were my regulars. And these are the ones that, you know, I put 30 plus hours into 40, 50 hours into, into these, these indie games. Because the they're so there's such a low commitment, just like I'm not going to sit down in a restaurant and have a meal that cost me twenty five dollars and it's one plate. It's like I can walk into a bar, have a beer, have a little sandwich that cost me three euros and I'm out. And just like an indie game, I can jump in, spend three dollars and it's dope or it's not. It doesn't matter. I've like gotten in, gotten what I wanted out of it. And I it's probably had a good time. So that's that's, that's
22: my I got to say, oh, that's, a really that's a really great one. one because yeah like like you said tapas are just kind of that like non-committal hey i just want to i want to eat this little thing it 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 really feeds into that i want to try a little bit of everything yeah which is what indie games and while you were saying that i was looking at so i organized my games in steam
23: ooh congratulations um, <clears throat> kudos to you
22: thanks man and my and my top my top like category is called current those are just games that i'm like actively playing at the time sure right now i have 15 games in the current and uh 13 of them are indie games that i Those never delete topics. i just keep them yeah i'm just like oh i want to go back to a little uh little uh monster train which i played yesterday i yeah. played a couple rounds done oh, i want to go in and play some Wilder Myth. play a couple couple uh just a couple sections of that yeah, I just like jump in, jump out. I want to try it. I want to do it. This is great. That's what I wanted. A little appetizer. I like that one, JD. And I'm so hungry because I keep looking. At I, this is fucking killing
23: me. I'm like, I got to book a
22: flight back to Spain now. God, Damn I have it. a Spain one. You want me to do a Spain one? <laughs> yes,
23: I have another <laughs> Spain one. So do. Um,
22: it. OK, so when I was in Spain, we were in. Oh, I think it was Segovia. Um, and we had their specialty, which was a half suckling pig. Oh, baby. And I kid you not, it was a, just a gigantic pan, kind of like how you'd see paella served in a big round pan. Yeah. And there was a half pig in it. Little piglet. Just here he half, is. Half a little pig on his belly up, arms, uh, its legs hanging out. We had the, we had the butt end. um, And so you'd just see the legs hanging That's out. That's a good part. And... And then you just go in, and the guy would just... they bring it to your table on this thing. It was steaming, seasonings and stuff. <clears throat> and you'd just sit there and shred it in front of you. And you just eat it right there. Just, like, dig in. <sighs> just eating straight off the pig. It was awesome. It was fun. It was... I mean, it, I guess some people would probably be disturbed by seeing half a pig just, like, just hanging in there and half just a pig digging ass. into it. Yeah. But it was awesome, you guys. And this is... Those early access games that are amazing. <laughs> they are obviously not a finished product. i ate Half a pig. I only had half a pig, right? This is, it's not a finished product. It's not the whole thing. Yeah. But it's awesome and you don't care. And it's you the could, good part. You want more? You could get the head too. So you could order the head. Some people are eating. I could see some people get the head. You could order the whole thing, I guess. Like I saw, you know, I saw one where it was whole, but that's a lot of pig. Um, but, yeah, it was just these early access games that you don't, you know, that you love so much and you don't even care that they're not done because it was so wonderful. And that was my half pig. I didn't care that it wasn't a whole pig. I didn't care it was just a half of a pig. I just it was so fun. It was a great experience. And I enjoyed it for what it was.
23: And I'm pretty sure the back half of the pig is all the good cuts. Well, yeah, you get the, the pork butt and you get, you get the, yeah, the butt <laughs> and the loin. Yep. Yeah. So you ate all, it just like with an early access game, just those that is generally the what you're playing is the core of the game. It's, yeah, the, the, base, good stuff. it's the best part. Mm-hmm. And all the other stuff is just bonus. Yeah. Like the you
22: didn't get the cheek, right?
23: The you didn't get I was straight. just going to say cheek, too, because I was like, what is actually a bonus on the front part of a pig? Yep. Uh, Trent, do you have any more? Or do, you, uh, or do you want me to go? I got one.
15: Okay, do it? The, we'll see. We'll see if this one's a stretch. So. <laughs> I <love> this. <laughs> so funny. this is OK. This is cow tongue.
14: Mm-hmm.
15: So you have that at that Brazilian restaurant, tongue. not a Brazilian restaurant. This is another Japan one. Oh, so oh. wow! This was at like a Kobe you know those little yeah the little you you grill your own food places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but cow tongue for me was like I like beef, I like most beef. This is a tongue. It's really weird, and I ate it, and I really liked it. one time was enough for me like (laughs) it was still beef i liked it once was enough i'm good now i know i know why people like it i get it that for me is just the battle royale genre in general the (laughs) whole thing i get it once was enough for me i got into like one game i got into clash what was that one realm royale
23: (laughs) Realm. yeah that was
22: the one that was my one dude i got into it
15: hard And I got, I got to like, that's not even like top five. And and then I was like, it was good for a while. And they just ruined it really fast. Yeah. But I'm good. I don't ever care to revisit that genre again. Have you
22: thought about playing Fortnite?
23: I have not (laughs) ever. (laughs) <laughs> Fortnite would be the equivalent of just Trent just eating the chung, just like a, just chewing on it. A, a cow tongue, a
22: lingua popsicle. Cow tongue jerky.
23: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cow tongue jerky is Fortnite for Trent. He's like, oh, I already had it. I don't need the, the version I know I won't like. <laughs> Dude, I get
22: it though, because lingua it does taste great. But yeah, if you can't, if you don't know what you're eating, you're going to be like, this is really good beef. But if you know. Yeah, like
14: it, is-
15: it didn't bother me nearly as much as I thought it would. It was it was it was great, but it's t-
23: tongue still. So yes, yep, yeah. Uh, my last one is: uh, Are you guys familiar with Spanish tortilla? Yeah, my dad used to make one It's kind of like a oh oh, so yeah, so you you know it. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a quiche. It's basically mm-hmm. like chopped up egg uh, potatoes and veggies and. A yep. Meat, if you if you're feeling fancy, uh, sometimes like a sausage, probably, um, like a chorizo or something, and this then looks it's delicious. Got... Yeah, and then like they you crack good. an egg in in a skillet with it, and then you flip it over one time, and then that's your tortilla, and that's a tapas. Uh, is a slice of that. You can get a slice of that at a bar anywhere. Um, but my, uh, I was in a study abroad program, and my like my mom or whatever, my house mom or whatever, she made. Uh, her tortilla and it was loose so it was just like
14: and then Falling she put apart? it on a
23: yeah and she put it on a hard roll for me and wrap that and with like a hot sauce and wrap it up dude and it was the most divine thing Really, hungry and it's just like kind of like a scrambled egg it's like a breakfast sandwich
14: because yeah, you got yeah, like I kind mean, of the
23: egg and amazing. the potato and the veggies in there and a little hot sauce on like a hard roll I've never had it loose at all. Never anywhere else in Spain. I, and it wasn't like she was a shitty cook because like yeah. all her food tasted really good. It was like, this is how she made it. Wow. And I never found it anywhere else. And I'm I'm sure it, when I say loose, like like she could have, you could have a slice of it. But when you slice into that, it's it's not going to be like a like a quiche. You're it's not going to get crumbly. Yeah. And yep. that's how it, it was. And so I was I'd get a I'd get like a, a tortilla sandwich. Normally, and be like, "Ah, oh, man, this is disappointing." It's like all meaty and stuff, whereas hers was was a little more packed down and and just so easy hmm. to eat. It was just so good. Um, so wait, what game is that? <laughs> JD, so the JD We're just there, talking like, about food yeah, now. This this That's That's it, man. What, what, what other foods stuff? do you all like? <laughs> uh so for me, these Spanish tortillas, because I did like them and I loved them, and I had them every. I, that was one of my regular tapas at a bar. Was mm. was like a tortilla because it was like like I said, like a breakfast quiche. Um. And so for me, that's roguelikes, uh, roguelikes, roguelites, whatever was the quiche. And uh, the, the quiche that my mom made was my special brand of roguelike, which is which I would say is like FTL, which is the one that I'm like, not a lot of people get it. And it's hard to like, I wouldn't expect like a lot of people to be like, oh, yeah, the FTL is like an easy game, low barrier to entry. I just jumped in and had a great time. Like, it's a very niche uh, for a roguelike. It's less accessible than than games like Hades and these ones that are that are much more popular and get a lot more traction because they're kind of more accessible. But this one, this is my flavor. This is my this is the weird way I like it. Uh, Is it? It's
22: never been replicated.
23: Yeah. Uh, There's not a lot of FTLs out there. Like I like I played their other game uh, into the breach and I know it was like pretty similar in a lot of metrics and ways. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't just right. It wasn't a loose tortilla sandwich. Oh, (laughs) I remember where I was fucking sitting the first time I had one of these. I was on a beach and I was looking at a bird, a sign that said no birds. And there was a bird standing on it. And I thought, God, that's funny. While I was eating the sandwich, that was 2008. And I remember like it was yesterday. Oh, Uh,
22: I can taste it. Dude, that's, that's the, the food that sits in your, that's, Uh... that's
23: become part of your life that's what that is you just you can remember it so well and that's actually a good memory too because like ftl mm-hmm. i remember every single aspect of it um let's let's skip this let's yep. save this unless you want to do it do you want to do it or For an now we're now we're in it? uh cool so we've just got
20: dice of dice, 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 dice of, 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 of destiny, of, of, destiny.
23: Dice of Destiny is this game we play at the end of every episode. We roll a six-sided dice to see who will be rolling the Dice of Destiny. A 20-sided dice with 20 different game genres assigned to it. Then that person rolls another six-sided dice to see how much money they can spend. They find a game in that genre for that price. Pick it, play it, and review it. Last week, Aaron rolled a 2D game. 2D, $60 max.
14: $60
23: I kinda wanna see if there's any sixty dollar I mean, I guess you could go top down and easily find some. Yeah. But like true to D, I think I don't picture like as a top down game.
15: Wasn't Cuphead like a pretty expensive game when it first came out?
22: No. I was up there. Uh, I think it was like thirty. Oh, okay. I
23: think Cuphead was full price.
22: I don't know about that. But uh Aaron obviously we just rolled two days ago. So Aaron has not picked yet, so we're just gonna pretend like Cause we're going to, I'm going to get Aaron's voicemail, put it into the episode before release. Dude, so we're
23: major p- behind the scenes things here. I just I want you just guys to react 10.
22: to it. Oh yeah. I didn't get a voicemail from Aaron. Sorry. But, uh, here's how we would have reacted. Oh God. Uh, cool. Pick Aaron. Super excited for that one, man. I Whoa. can't
23: wait. That's <laughs> going
20: to be crazy.
23: What a pick. Dude, that that is really really interesting for Classic a 2D Aaron. game. Just couldn't.
20: <laughs> I'm disgusted. <laughs> that was the game you went with. Wow.
23: Oh, really? You have all these pick. other games to pick, and you picked that one. Didn't you read the reviews? Can you read it all? Aaron's not coming with me to Tallahassee. That's for sure. <laughs> Like it's a like it's such a pleasure. Like he's really gonna be missing out. He's like, ah, shit. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I really wanted to road trip across the southern half of the country. Did he meet T-Pain? Meet t pain down there. Oh no, Tallahassee pain. Um, all right, guys, and on that note, uh, that's it. We're no, we can't go past Tallahassee pain. Um, to play us out, we've got some music from the original playstation twisted metal but this music is sick it's cooler than anthony mackie sorry anthony peterson hates your face (laughs) i just it's just something about your face nothing you can do to change it wants to punch you in the face uh all right i'm jd logging off this is peterson going afk this is trent signing out
14: Productions. Oh, yeah.
17: Hey, 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 hey. Not bad. You're
9: nailing it. Thanks,
17: Randy.
12: Yeah. It means a lot. God damn it, I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole.
9: Is there anything I can do to work on that? No, so that you not wouldn't... really.
12: It's your
8: face. And I, again, you know, you're doing great, man. This is the Kelly and Wine. Yeah. Which we're all having a great time. Everybody's having fun. You pulled it off. All right. But if you don't change your face, I'm going to change it for you. Okay. Okay.
9: All I can do is take that in and consider it, and I'll just try to do my best version of whatever I think that would be.
12: I I don't even hear what you're saying right now because your face is driving me nuts.
9: Thanks again. though.